Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Simon Provan. Simon Provan, are you ready for the summer of soccer? I am so ready, Baxter. It is amazing. There is so much soccer, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to watch it all because there's just too much, but it's a good thing. It's well, a good problem. And what's great about it is usually our summers of soccer consist of a bunch of international friendlies mm-hmm. between club teams, but this is Copa America going on, the Euros going on, we've got, we've got high-flying, top-level soccer, exactly. people actually care about these games, exactly. well, for the most Part. For the most part, yeah. I mean, you also toss in there, as you mentioned, the uh, the International Champions Cup, those clubs that will sure. be here hanging out, and then you will have it all rounded up with the Olympics at the end of the summer as well, too, which I think is a nice way to end everything as well. I think the, the ladies are going to be hanging out in Rio saying, you know what, that's great, guys, do what you got to do, and then be like, okay, now here's some Rio soccer. Right, now here's, right. This is how it's actually going to happen. But See this gold medal? Yeah, we won that yeah. again. Oh, look at that. Woo! Just like that. <laughs> I know. Anyway, the U.S. women's national team, though, very, very good, and we are excited to continue to talk about them as we get closer to the Olympics, but we've got a packed, packed show for you today. So many guests, so many different things. Simon and I basically are going to just step away because there's so many other people that are going to be here right. talking. We've got a, a huge list of people today, Simon. We have Brian Dunseth from SiriusXM will be here in just a little while. Former national team Former player. Former RSL guy as well. Yep. Uh, Lydia Williams of the Houston Dash and Australian national team will be here for our women's soccer spotlight. DC United goalkeeper Andrew Dykstra will be here, and then League Pool MLS goalkeeper, well, he'll explain it himself, is Trey Mitchell as well. He plays for Sporting Kansas City right now. He'll be here a little bit later But he swims well. in the League's pool. He does, yes. Okay. Or maybe Sporting Kansas City's pool. I don't oh, know. Okay, they probably okay. have a nice pool there in Child Mercy. <laughs> anyway, all of those people will be here in some way, shape, or form, and we are thrilled to be here. And uh, we want to remind all of you as well that if you love listening to the show, you can find it on Fridays at 11.30 a.m. Central Time on the Sports Podcasting Network. Go and check out all the great content that they have there. Uh, we've had so many uh, great things happen to us since we've been there as well, Simon. We've heard just incredible numbers as well, too, for listeners. So thank you to all of you yeah, that have been listening. Yeah, over 3,000 listeners. It's incredible. It's amazing. Incredible. So thank incredible. you. Thank yes. you all very much. And for those of you who have been with us since day one, you know, you're the reason we, we are still here, and you're the reason we continue to grow. And if I can say one thing, the show will air as uh, near near kickoff for Copa America. Yes. 
We're trying to get to 500 likes. Why? Because we just want to say we got 500 likes on our Facebook. So if you're listening to the show and you, and you haven't liked us on Facebook, we're just going to ask you, we don't, we don't bother you too much. We no. maybe post something once or twice a we day. We try to make it engaging. Yeah. Exactly. We won't post exactly. any weird videos about cats or anything no, like that. Unless they're playing soccer. Hey, that'd be fun. We'd but anyways, that. go to our Facebook page, Two Up Front, and click that like button. We'd greatly appreciate it. Either that or you can find us on Twitter as well, too, can't you, Simon? You sure can. At Two Up Front Soccer. He is at Baxter Colburn. I am at Simon Provan. Yes, indeed. And if you ever want to contact the show, voice your opinion about anything, you can do that. Or you can email us at twoupfrontsoccer at gmail.com. Or visit our website as well, twoupfrontsoccer.wix.com backslash twoupfrontsoccer. It's funny, Baxter, mentioning the Twitter handles. I actually had a Twitter spat. Did you? Over the, uh, Who are you over the past couple with? days. You don't see, strike me as a spatter very much, <laughs> Well, I'm not. I was just reporting. I was actually watching live, and I know we'll, we may get into this a little bit, but I was watching live the CONCACAF Champions League draw. Oh, great. Okay. Because that's one of those tournaments that just interests me, you know? Hey, I, I think it's a lot of own. fun. And your timbers and, uh, are in there as well, too. They are. So. They are. Anyways, I just I simply reported how FC Dallas had dodged a bullet not having to play Olympia from mm-hmm. Honduras. Mm-hmm. They are, they're, they're the only team that's been in every edition of Champions League, right? Oh, so okay. I post that, and, and of course this guy writes back saying, what, are you afraid of a team from Honduras? And I had said to him, well, I'm not afraid of a team from Honduras. I'm just reporting the facts. Yeah. Do you not know your history yeah. about Olympia? <clears throat> well, he wrote back and said, I'm a Pachuca fan. Ah. I, I know very well the history, but we've won this so many times that I'm not afraid of any team. Of course, I respond with that. Well, if you uh, you know you with with a team that's basically more than a hundred years older than any MLS mm-hmm. squad, and that you spend basically what an MLS league spends, <laughs> it's a little uh, different. You, you you should be winning the tournament a lot. You should. Uh, but Except- then he, and then the last thing I challenged him with is it's funny that you think I'm a Dallas fan when I'm actually a Portland fan. I'm just reporting what I'm watching. Yeah, exactly. He responded with. I never thought you were a Dallas fan. And I said, well, that's good. But what's worse is that you think Tony Romo is a god. Yeah. His Twitter handle is at Tony Romo to God. Oh, so gosh. once I saw that, Baxter, I had, Why? he lost all credibility no in my kidding. mind. No <laughs> kidding. Come on. I know this isn't an NFL show, but come on, man. Like, at least don't be doing that. You don't do that. Tony Romo, far from that. Fun fact, though. I mean, Pachuca. Omar Gonzalez, they just won the they Liga MX. Congratulations did. to them. I feel weird congratulating a Mexican team, but hey, that's Omar right. Gonzalez, though, I found out he has won, I believe it's eight, no, he's won six, he's won eight trophies in six years. Is that right? It's, it's one of MLS those. Cups and... Yeah, I forget which one it is. It's either six and eight or eight and six. I forget which one it was, but either way, though, he's still well, won and a you know, ton that, of Well, you know, that was my one thing to this guy, is I actually did congratulate him on that, and uh, not on that specifically, but just how many times Pachuca has yeah, won. they're you know? a very, very I, good I've, team. The thing is... I'm a realist. I know MLS has a long way to go with, with Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, but there's nothing wrong with just simply talking about other teams being good. Exactly. You know? That's and, not uh, a bad thing. But yeah, congrats to Omar. And actually, I think it was Edgar Castillo that was on the losing side. Yes. So pretty yes, excited to have there two Americans U.S. In guys battling there, looking for their own summer of soccer. Well, uh, you, you teased it briefly. Let's just look at it really quickly about the CONCACAF Champions League. What did you see? What do you like? How, where's Portland at? Well, it's, you know, this is Portland's only second time in here. I'm, I'm going to see how uh, Caleb Porter handles it, but they've got a tough group. Anytime you have Saprissa out of Costa Rica yeah. in your group, they've got to be the favorites. Uh, they're playing another team from El Salvador that I actually don't know anything about. The Dragons is basically what their Ooh, name is. So, so I don't see Portland making out of this group. I'll just hit on the MLS teams. Sure. Uh, the tough group here, Group C, you've got both Vancouver and Sporting. Mm. If if this were to be played today, I would take Vancouver over Sporting to get yes. out of this group. They're yep. playing uh, Trinidadian team Central FC. 
Uh, the Red Bulls, in my mind, the Red Bulls and FC Dallas have the easiest groups in mm. the CONCACAF Champions League. Red Bulls are taking on Alianza from El Salvador and Antigua FC from Guatemala. Now, Antigua has some decent history. Sure, they, yeah. I, I could see Antigua getting that win times. at home. Yeah. Um, so New York could have a little bit of a fight with them, but I do see New York getting out of this group if Jesse Marsh has them playing at the capability that they can play at. And then Group H, Real Esteli FC out of Nicaragua, and then a name that I'm not even going to try out of Guatemala. Um, I've never heard of either of these teams again. That doesn't mean that they're not good, so sure. I want to throw that out there. But FC Dallas is a good team. They, they were the first MLS team to go down to Mexico and actually win mm. it. And I say, and FC Dallas is one of those teams, too, that is almost, because of the Hispanic players that they have, is almost like a, a, a de facto Mexican team at times, In a way, too. yeah. yeah. They're, Plus, they're much more Hispanic than they are American. And they're, and they're a young squad, so yeah. they've got a lot of endurance. Exactly, exactly. So, so out, of, out of the teams here, I would definitely see, out of the MLS teams, FC Dallas going the farthest. Do I see them going all the way to the championship? I will not pick an MLS team until they are able to spend more <laughs> money and have greater depth True. or the calendar changes and they find a way to have a happy medium between preseason MLS mm-hmm. teams in the quarterfinals and and basically preseason Mexican teams in the group stages. I like that. No, I completely agree with you on that one. We'll keep an eye on that and as we uh, as you can kind of tell Simon is fairly passionate about this so we will keep you <laughs> updated about that as we continue to move on uh, as the we get closer to everything happening as well. Uh, some interesting uh, kind of sad-ish news. Uh, a couple big things happening in the Mexican and Colombian soccer national team worlds uh one player a mexican player was kidnapped but he's been found thankfully and another one a colombian footballer has been arrested as well so kind of some sad news for both of these nations right now simon yeah alan pulido was kidnapped he's the the mexican uh player who was kidnapped but interesting he was able to free himself and then call police for help little little suspicious in here though um there may have been drugs involved, and people are thinking, well, maybe, unfortunately, that, that he is part of that, mm. which would seem odd. He does play for a very good European team, the uh, Olympiacos, out of, out oh, of sure. Greece. You know, yeah. They're one of the best teams in that league. Um, but one of the investigators was talking about that. Uh, well, here's what, here's what the investigator said. One of two things. Either Pulido was the victim of the most incompetent kidnappers in the world, which I hope that's what the case is. I hope so. Or there's something they don't want to reveal. Because Polito's kidnappers were so stupid, they didn't blindfold him, tie his hands, or take away his cell phone. Mm. So it's, it's, it's extremely suspicious. And the only thing Polito said at the press conference was, very well, thank God, when they asked him, how are you doing? Or if he had any comments. Very well, thank God. That's either all he would either say. Either he's completely just still stunned by the events, or there's some behind-the-scenes things that we don't know about. Yeah, and I would, I, you know, my... M- I'm a very cynical man, <laughs> admittedly, what? but I would like to think that this is exactly what you're saying, Baxter. But we've got to keep our eye on this yeah. because there, there may be more to the story, or maybe they let him go mm-hmm. with some type of threat. Exactly. Maybe that's what it was. You know, say, so, hey, that next Olympiacos game, we got a lot of money on. If you get, you know, maybe pull a David V on slip and miss the penalty kick or something on your way. No, it's probably not like that. But either way, though, something to keep an eye on. And then uh, somebody from Colombia as well arrested has a little bit of the case of the Johnny Manzels. Yeah, yeah. Pablo Amaro out of Colombia. He just missed the cut mm. for the uh, Copa America roster, but he was over here in the States. Not sure if he played in that friendly against Haiti, but uh, very, as, a, as, as married men, I don't know about you, Baxter, but stories like this upset me to the nth degree. Okay. Uh, he was arrested for uh, basically beating his girlfriend. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that upsets me, absolutely. Yeah, he, uh, apparently, she wouldn't 
had do intercourse things. with ah, him. Do things and stuff. And, okay. And uh, he grabbed her hair. Apparently she had, um, oh, what do you call that when you get hair? Extensions. Extensions that he ripped out of her hair Jeez. and started to cut her hair with clippers, threw her on the ground. Uh, she called the cops. She said there's been a history of this with him. Oh, really? And this was the last Do we know if he was under the him. influence at all of anything? It sounds like that he okay, was. Okay, I was going to say, um, I feel it's, it's, for me at least, I, I try to see the good in people. I have a hard time believing somebody in their right mind would do something like this. I feel like you have to be semi-diluted and semi-not full of your charge and your, of your faculties to do something like this. But I know it has happened before with sure. people that have willingly done stuff like that. Well, and the disturbing thing is, is this isn't the first time something like this has happened, Baxter. When he was playing for a Flamingo out of Brazil, hmm. he was arrested at a party full of prostitutes. <sighs> boy, oh boy. So you said it right. The it Johnny is. Manziel It really is Colombian Johnny Manziel. Soccer. Oh, my goodness. So you, so you certainly hope that this man can turn his life around. But I hope first so. and foremost, I hope his girlfriend is okay. Exactly. And uh, good thing he's off the roster because you don't want you don't want guys like this in the tournament. No, I completely agree. All right, last thing we want to hit on really fast before we have to get to a break. Uh, something about Giuseppe Rossi that's going on, Simon. That you are okay about? Yeah. Well, his agent, anyways, came out and said that Rossi made a mistake that he should have chosen the U.S. over uh, over Italy. Hmm. Um, it wouldn't have made His a difference. His agent was the one saying His this? agent was really? the one, you know. I think what's going on here is Rossi knows that there's a lot of American fans upset with him, and he's making a play for MLS. He's 28. Oh. He's getting to those years. I, I, I was wondering that's how old I he think. was. Okay. Yeah. I think he's, he's, think he's making a play for MLS. Where is he right now? He's, he's still in Italy, and he's been playing there for... Actually, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Villarreal. Oh, Levante, he's on loan to Levante. Oh. Um, anyways, I, just, I know we've got to get going here, Baxter, but I want to comment real quick about Please. this. You know... I was never upset with Rossi because here's the thing. Yes, he grew up in the States, but he has never donned the U.S. soccer jersey. Yes. So I've never really On understood. On any level? No. Oh, I've never understood the vitriol towards him just because he grew up here. Hey, we have guys that we've nationalized to play for the U.S. Yeah. team, and we haven't gotten upset about that. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be upset with anybody, go back to the days with Sabudic, ah, who yeah. played for the U.S. 20 national mm-hmm. team. Now, Thomas Rogan cut him from that team, and then uh, one of those Eastern European countries... Serbia. Serbia, thank you, came calling for him. And he said, yeah, fine, I'm going to do that. Hmm. Uh, but he played with the U.S. national teams all the way up to the U-20s. To be fair, back in the day, the center backs were a lot deeper at that point, too. So I can I can see his reasoning to say, you know what, I'm going to go play so where I can actually play sure. instead of just having to sit behind sure. all these other really good guys sure. back in the day. It was always interesting to me, though, that the Vitorol was aimed at a guy who never donned the mm-hmm. U.S. jersey and somebody who had spent plenty of time with the U.S. program. Exactly. And yes, people got upset when Rossi celebrated against the U.S. after scoring that goal in the Confederations Cup. But again, he never played for the U.S. Get I think over Rossi it, and MLS would be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll see if that happens. I think uh, I think the revolution, he would look good in the revolution. <laughs> Red, white, and blue of the revolution. Anyway, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, Brian Dunseth of Sirius XM will be here to talk about Copa America and see if he can help us figure out what the heck is wrong with your inclusion. We'll be back with more right after this on Two Up Front. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan calling in from the car. Is that where you are, sir? <laughs> I am. I, uh, as fans of the show know, I'm also a professional actor, and I was actually helping out with some auditions at a TV studio. So, Wow, what a nice guy. Holy cow, look at that. 
I try, Baxter. I try. <laughs> I, I fail a lot, but every once in a while it works. Exactly, exactly. Well, you are you're part of this interview, this Simon. We've got a great opportunity to speak with soccer analyst Brian Dunseth. Uh, you can hear him on SiriusXM. You can hear him if you're part of the R, the RSL community. If you love Real Salt Lake, and you can see him pretty much anywhere. Honestly, when it comes to soccer, he is uh, a very talented and exciting individual. And now he joins us here on Two Up Front. Brian, welcome to the show, sir. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Let me know where to send that twenty bucks for that intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> you are very welcome. Well, the address will be in the in the follow up email. But Brian, we are excited to have you here. I mean, I think we should talk about that just briefly. How many hats do you actually wear? Because your resume, I feel like, is very long. But right now, you do so many different things. Do you even keep track of everything that you do? <laughs> at times, it is a little bit difficult. Um, but yeah, at the weekend, I'm, I'm usually a part of, of some television broadcast. Uh, whether it's Fox or ESPN or Real Salt Lake. Uh, during the week, do instant replay on Mondays, uh, host Sirius XM FC uh, counterattack in the afternoons, uh, do a radio show here locally with Real Salt Lake on ESPN Radio, have a TV show out here. <laughs> um, and probably the thing I'm most, most uh, I think, pumped about at all times is uh, Bumpy Pitch, the original winger, and now kind of our latest launch is something called the Terrace Club, which is a a soccer subscription uh, box, um, which is uh, actually shipping at the moment. So really, uh, everything's yeah, yeah, everything's everything's been really cool. Been been really excited to be able to kind of carve out this kind of niche life after the game wow. after being told I sucked and I wasn't good enough. <laughs> well, their loss was uh, everybody else's gain. I feel like though, with everything that you've got going on. But um, so we are excited, Brian, to talk to you a little bit about the Copa America roster. The final twenty-three, Jurgen Klinsmann has named his his men that he's planning to take to battle with him against uh, some of the world's very best. And even from uh, hearing from legends like uh, Lionel Messi recently saying, "Hey, Argentina hasn't won a trophy since nineteen ninety-three. We're going to take this tournament seriously." For the U.S., I don't remember the last time they won a fairly significant trophy, honestly. You can say what you want about the Gold Cup and other things like that, but this is a big, big trophy against a lot of big, big teams. How important is it for the U.S. to not only get out of the group stage, but also just really finish fairly high in this tournament? Um, the reality is it's not that important, um, I think, in the big scheme of things, because we've been dumbed down in terms of our expectations um, as of recent times. Um, I, I feel like if, when we go back to Bruce and we go back to Bob, you know, there was such high expectations placed on those two individuals' shoulders, not just with Project 2010 and winning the World <laughs> Cup, yep. all the MLS hubbub. Um, it was more because I think they were, they were American coaches, um, and there was this bar that needed to be set. Um, and your income Jurgen. Uh, who at the time was a fantastic addition. He was the complete opposite um, in terms of Bob, with the way he handled the press, with the way he handled the media. Um, and I always kind of, I, I always kind of joke around and liken Jurgen to kind of the David Beckham of coaches, where oh. you can ask him a direct question and he's never going to answer it. He's <laughs> so savvy that he'll actually turn it into some really <laughs> nonchalant answer that kind of makes sense, but doesn't necessarily make sense. You hear, you hear it the, the moment, question. you're just like, oh, okay, and then you think about it, like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, that well, and, and you have a smile on your face, and you you know, you, you, you see the smile on his face, and, um, you know, it's fantastic. I've known Jurgen for a long time, and, and I, I really do like him as a person. Um, but when it comes to kind of what we've been told with Jurgen Klinsmann, the manager of the U.S. National Team, is there's a style, there's a substance, there's an identity. And I think there could be a realistic argument made that, 
we're no we're no further along than we were underneath Bob mm. or underneath Bruce um, in terms of what is our identity, what is our shape. I mean, we get caught up in numbers and formations, um, and, and the reality is, yes, we did get through to the quarterfinals of the World Cup, but we were outplayed um, significantly by Germany. Uh, we were definitely outplayed when it came um, to Belgium. Uh, what was it? 18 shots on goal, 19 corner kicks conceded um, against Belgium. Incredible. And, and I think, you know, now when we got through kind of the final phase of 2015 with everyone calling for Jurgen's job or calling for his head, once we got past that phase um, and Jurgen was still in charge, I, I don't see this. I guess to wrap this all around, I don't see this as a tournament that's a make or break for Jurgen Klinsmann. Hmm. I can't see Jurgen Klinsmann fired on a three-and-out tournament like this for Copa America. Um, so that's why, for me, expectations are incredibly low, um, and maybe that's exactly what Jurgen wants heading into a tournament like this. I, I appreciate all that honesty, Brian, because I, you know, I, I see things exactly the same way that you do. I actually see it as very unfortunate that um, Sunil Galati, I'll just say it, has allowed this to happen because uh, the precedent he set, he set with firing Bob after taking second in the Gold Cup. It's mind-boggling to those of us who have been fans. I mean, since, you know, I'm, I'm near 40 now. I've been a fan since I was five years old. doesn't make sense to me. So what, what does have to happen for the U.S.? To get this thing, I'm going to say it, to get the ship turned around. I mean, is it a matter of letting Jurgen go, or or what is it? Um, well, I guess it, when when I guess the the question then becomes uh, the follow up. Your question is how, how do we determine turning the ship around? Is it mm-hmm. something as easy as just a manager um, being replaced, uh, which then turns down the trickle effect to the coaches associated with them? Um, you know, he's he's also the technical, basically the technical director, the general manager of the entire system right. on the right. other side. Um, so I, I think there was absolute control and power kind of handed off. And again, like you know, I was actually talking about this on Sirius a couple of days ago. You know, you go back to the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, and who did we fall in love with on those broadcasts? It, it, it wasn't guys like Michael Ballack or Alexi Lawless. We fell in love with Roberto Martinez for his tactics. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the simplicity in which he, he, he got those across. We fell in love with Jurgen Klinsmann because he was honest, yet he wasn't brutal. Um, and so when, when a guy like Jurgen becomes available, coach of the German national team, coach of Bayern Munich, has played at, at every level uh, and won at every level exactly. in Bundesliga and City High and in uh, ETL. Um, well, maybe not with Spurs in the EPL, but he came close. At least he was known for diving um, and, and, the, and the swan dive uh, at Spurs. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, but, you know, I, I, I guess the question, I, I think from the outside looking in, the frustration from the fan base that I always hear conveyed is, well, how, how are we, how, what about guys like Sasha Question? What about mm-hmm. guys like Dax McCarty? Um, you know, like all the, all the what, how's Lee Wynn not being more involved? He's oh, one of the best players in the um, and you go historically, Jason Christ wasn't a big guy in the U.S. men's national team. Ben Batwoman didn't have a huge role in the U.S. national team. Jeff Cunningham, Ante Razov, those are all guys that scored over 100 goals in Major League Soccer that didn't see significant U.S. men's national team careers. Um, 
this is a, I think when Jurgen came in, he saw growing up or being in Southern California and watching guys like Brad Evans and Chad Marshall and Robbie Rogers and all these kids coming through the system saying, man, there's this incredibly talented young group of kids that are constantly being churned out. Then what happens to them mm-hmm. once they get into high school? Oh, and by the way, you have this inner city population that is insanely talented. You have a Hispanic generation that continues uh, to find themselves down playing for Liga MX in Mexico and getting poached by Mexican teams. How, how are we not putting this all together? Um, and I don't think there's a clear answer. Just as, and I relate that more towards U.S. soccer in general. I don't think we can treat this this country the exact same way. Meaning that the kids in LA are going to get a lot more time on the field than the kids in Salt Lake City. Sure, uh, uh, that's one thing that Florida, I've heard an argument against it though too is that I almost have heard that the United States is just too big at times, and that's why a lot of kids to slip through the cracks. I, I think we need to, in my eyes, I think you would have to tweak kind of how the approach is for coaching styles because you're going to have maybe a, a higher percentage of indoor and futsal, um, small space, talented type kids in kind of difficult weather, you know, difficult weather areas versus being full field kids being in kind of the southern realm of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's why they're implementing more small side at a smaller level. Um, side note, I can't stand the concussion idea, the heading, the ball <laughs> idea. It just infuriates me um, because I think you're, 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 you're putting kids in a really horrible situation at 13 to start learning how to head the ball in competition as opposed to creating controlled environments for mm-hmm. them to learn how to ball the right way, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, sorry, I got caught in my, my rambling tangent. Um, <laughs> Agree, though. The I, biggest I, thing, yeah. and, and here's the biggest thing. The biggest thing for me is if Sunil Gulati was going to make the move, who's the right person to turn to? Mm-hmm. And in my eyes right now, the only quote-unquote quick fix that we have is Bruce Arena. And out, much like we saw in Mexico, uh, with Tuca Ferretti taking over for a couple of those games and, and being a short-term stabilizing force uh, as Mexico transitioned to their new head coach after getting rid of Fiojo. Um, that, for me, is the only short-term fix is Bruce Arena uh, if Neil was going to make a move. But outside of that, I think now everybody's so gun-shy about bringing in a manager that doesn't necessarily know the mindset of the American player because there's so many things that come into um, how we're raised as young players. Um, and I think one big component that's never really talked about enough is you look at the U.S. players and how many of them have significant college education. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah. idea of questioning and asking why and having things explained and not just being and playing with a ton of different coaches, whether they be Dutch or South American or South African or English or even the United States, the idea of profe and professor versus manager versus coach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these, these kids that come through the U.S. system, um, I was talking about this in Houston with Owen Coyle, they, they, have to be, they have to be taught. You can't manage players at this level. You actually still have to continue to teach, whether that's technical, tactical, exactly, um, yep. psychological. Um, so I think there's a lot of layers. There's not a right answer, but I'm not sure that I guess big picture that Sunil has found somebody that he felt would be either an upgrade or worth taking that significant slap to the piggy bank because it's a pretty huge buyout that uh, Sunil is going to have to take. Sure. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Brian, we appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule today. We wish we could talk to you more, but you've got to get on the, got to get on with your broadcasting and we got to roll on with our show as well, too. So, Brian Dunseth, thank you so much for taking some time to be here on Two Up Front today. Hey, no problem, man. Anytime you guys need me, give me a shout. Will do, Brian. Thanks right, a lot. Thanks, Brian. We're going to run to a break and we come back. We've got so much more in store for you here on Two Up Front presented by shopfutsal.com. Don't go anywhere. Back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, we just had a great conversation with Brian Dunseth. Thank you so much, Brian, again, for stopping by the show. And uh, I wish it wouldn't have been so rushed. I felt so bad rushing him, but he had to get off to his radio show. We Busy had to man. get on with the show as well, too. But uh, thrilled to have him on, and he said he wants to come back again. So we will hold him to that, uh, especially with uh, depending on how the U.S. does here in the Copa America, Simon. We are excited to see what happens with that. But we want to take a look now at the Copa America. You can go and predict your your very own what you think is going to happen in the Copa America. Simon and I have done so, and uh, Simon was to- was toying with me before the show, saying you're going to like what I did, or maybe you won't. And I, <laughs> on the same side, some folks might be happy or not. So we have our entire predictions here for the entire tournament pretty much done. So why don't we take a look a little bit about it? Unless you wanted, to, unless there was anything else you wanted to make mention of, fast Simon. No, the only thing I want to talk about is ticket sales. Disappointing, <sighs> disappointing. Disappointing but, in the fact of what, though? Because they're insanely expensive they are, for well, some games. They are expensive. Um, you know, disappointing that a team like Brazil, for example, they're not bringing all their top guns. Now, you've got Uruguay, who is. You've got Argentina, who yes. is gunning to win this thing. Mm-hmm. They're bringing everybody, and everybody's hungry to win. Uh, but just for the fact that they're simply not selling. Now, part of that, Baxter, is something that you actually had mentioned to me, uh, or, or could be part of it, in that Copa America is going to be a little unconventional. Mm-hmm. Come the quarterfinals. Yes. That's a very interesting thing that's happening this season that I am 100% behind. They are eliminating extra time in the quarterfinals and the semifinals, and they are going right to penalty kicks if the game is tied, which I think is brilliant. Really? Why? Because sometimes with the extra time, you don't... After that, that ninety plus minutes of time, at that point, a lot of the teams are just like, we just want to, we just want to move on. Let's either we're either done or we're not. Let's just you know move on, and it gives the opportunity too for some players to be a little bit. Uh, not necessarily healthier and a little bit more energized for something as high pressure as a penalty kick situation. You look at those, you know, after 120 minutes worth of play, penalty kick shootouts, those guys are tired. They don't know what's going on. They're making mistakes they may have not normally be making. And it gives teams, I think, an opportunity to really just move on and maybe to engage watchers a little bit more too, knowing, say, hey, I have to sit through another 30 minutes of this. Or No, we're just going right to penalties. Oh, great. I'm going to watch this. Fantastic. So to me, there's, there's, Two things that could happen. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's more, but there's two obvious things for me that could happen. Sure. It's going to lead to either very a very exciting 90 minutes or an even in, more boring 90 minutes than there would have been of 30 mm. minutes. Because you may have a team who realizes, you know what? We're not as good as these guys, but we defend well. Mm-hmm. So let's just sit back the whole game it's and pack, get this into penalties. Parts of us. You know? mm. Or 
it'll be the opposite effect of, hey, these guys are great on penalties. We got to make sure we win this game. Exactly. Which I, mean, I hope and it's And penalty the, kicks are such a game of chance, too, they are, at the end right, of the day. But right. I, there, is a, there is skill, obviously, that goes into it, too. And we've seen, you know, tremendous goalkeeper saves and random shots off the bar and slipping and all that stuff. So it, it happens. But you are, I, li- you, I do like those two variations that you have because if you get a, a lower level team like a Paraguay or a Peru or whoever that happened to get through that, maybe aren't as, you know, if they're matched up against an Argentina or a Colombia and they're like, hey, if we just, if we get up or if we just pack the box and just say, let's just get, let's just get to penalty kicks, anything could happen at that point. Because it's all about the right. player and the goalie at that point. Right. You don't have nobody else in front of you to try to stop you. Yeah. Or you see, you know, how the U.S. played like against Germany in the mm-hmm. 2014 World Cup. They just stayed back the entire time playing for that point. Yeah. I, well, it's Klinsman, so we shall see. You can't so really fault see. that goal from Thomas Muller, though. Oh the, no! The, I mean that no. one touch bending oh, finish yeah, to right. the far post. No, I just I mean, wanted to see. I wanted to see more of that proactive soccer that Klinsman yeah. said we were going to see that we mm-hmm. that we didn't. Exactly, but we digress. We anyway, digress. So let's start with Group A here, Simon, with our predictions: um, USA, Colombia, Costa Rica, Paraguay. Uh, I have Colombia winning all three of their games, finishing the group with nine points. I have the U.S. getting out of the group only with four points. I have them beating Costa Rica, and I have them drawing Paraguay. Well, Baxter, I think people might be upset with me, but I'm, uh, I got Colombia with seven points. Okay. Costa Rica, they're kind of flying under the radar. That's what we saw happen at 2014 World mm-hmm. Cup, and look how far they went. So I've got actually Costa Rica finishing second with five points. So you, where's the U.S.? The U.S. I've got finishing third with two points in Paraguay. With a single point. So the U.S. doesn't get out of the group is what US you're telling me? U.S. does not really? get out of the group, yes. Really? I've got them losing to Colombia. I've got them drawing with Costa Rica. Wow. And then drawing with Paraguay. Holy cow. But you know I'm unconventional with my predictions. You so. are. I mean, obviously, this it's kind of like we are with our MLS predictions. Sometimes we pick against the Timbers. We pick against yeah. the Revs. Even yeah. though, obviously, we're not going to be mad if the U.S. get out. And we're going to go farther, obviously. But at the same time... You're trying to think logically a little bit, a little unconventionally, yeah. as you're so notorious for doing. Uh, group, Thank you. You're welcome. Yes, it's a, it's a backhanded compliment. You know, okay. I love you. It's all right. Uh, group B, we've got Haiti, Peru, Brazil, and Ecuador. For me, uh, Haiti, I love you guys. Fun fact, most of their players play in Europe. I didn't know this. Yes. I did not yeah, know this. Was with a few MLS players Interesting. in there. That's not going to be good enough. They're not going to get a single point in my prediction, honestly. Uh, Peru is going to surprise everybody, and they're going to win the group with seven points. Brazil's going to get five points, and Ecuador is going to be that little pesky cousin that's going to keep poking people but just miss out at the last minute, and they're going to get four points. Peru and Brazil advance. You know, Ecuador has not looked good in their friendlies, but uh, those are friendlies. Exactly. They are near the top in their World Cup qualifying in, mm-hmm. in Cannonball. So I actually have Ecuador going undefeated in this group. Baxter. Really? I think they are going to beat Brazil. Wow. Uh, okay. Simply because Brazil was one of those teams that you just don't see them caring much about this huh. tournament. To them, it's a, it's an off year, and eh, it's cool, but eh, whatever. Interesting. Uh, uh, I do have Haiti getting three points, and I actually have Peru sitting at zero points. Wow. I don't think they'll win a game. Perzu, uh, Perzu, Peru finished in the top four last year, though, in this, yeah, in this tournament. But, and arguments have been made against them saying that they're going to be even better this year. I, I, I realize that, but I'm, again, can't base everything off of World Cup qualifying, but sure. they're sitting in eighth place. They're sitting on the outside. Hmm. Something to keep an eye on. You never know. And this Brazil fact, too, some folks are probably sitting at home saying, well, what, what are you guys hating on Brazil for? Have you looked at the squad Brazil is bringing? They're right. missing almost all of their really big scars. And stars. yet they have something like 5,000 players playing around the world. Yeah. Brazilian players. And this is the best roster that they could put together. Well, no, what I'm saying is 
a C team Brazil team is still going to be a pretty darn oh, good yeah. team. Oh, yeah, and that's why I have them getting five points. I just think that Peru and Ecuador are going to punch the heck out of Brazil sure. and knock them down a little All bit, right. but they're still going to get out at some point. I am interested to see, you know, Dunga keeps taking them further and further away from their tiki-taki. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it, we'll see how it ends it's up. The, you know, it's a different breed of players now, yeah. those, though. Yep. You know, that's the thing to keep an eye on. Although Kaká will be there, so great for him. He got a last-minute call-up due to some injuries, and uh, he's, I feel, one of the last of those Tiki Taka uh, generation yeah. yes. with Ronaldinho right. and Ronaldo and all those. Bring fantastic. them back, yeah. Why not? They'd probably still be really good, right. honestly. All right, uh, Group C, which is by far the most interesting group in my opinion: Jamaica, Venezuela, Mexico, and Uruguay. I have Mexico winning all three of their games. I in this do one. as well. It's the do one you? thing we agree wow. on so far. Yes. I really, really want Jamaica to do well. Well, I'm I ju- said this for the Gold Cup as well. Yes. We, Baxter, we have not talked about this at all before the show. Everything is identical for us in oh, this group. Oh, look at that. Mexico, nine points. Uruguay, six points. Jamaica, three. Venezuela, zero. Venezuela, thank you for showing up, you know. Yeah. But play, go play some baseball. You, you, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you picked the wrong group to show up to Copa America, and honestly. Uruguay, uh, they're going to get six points, as you mentioned. Uh, I think that Mexico-Uruguay game is going to be really, really fun. But Mexico, the roster that they're bringing this season... It's really, really good. Yeah, really, even without really Dos good. Santos. Uh, but Uruguay as well. <clears throat> yeah, they, exactly. They're, they're bringing, they're bringing uh, Suarez. They're bringing all their big guns. I actually won't be surprised if we see that Mexico-Uruguay game end in a draw. But th- these, are, these are basically all home games for Mexico mm-hmm. all the way through. They're gonna Every single game is going to be packed for them. And finally, Group D, Panama, Bolivia, Argentina, and Chile. We saw what Chile could do at the 2014 World Cup. Really, that surprise. Uh, well, Chile was really, really good. Same with Costa Rica, too. They were you know those, those silent giants mm-hmm. that really yeah. stepped out and really made a big name for themselves. Bolivia, I've heard good things about Bolivia, but at the same accord, not nearly as good as I feel like uh, other teams in their group. Panama, we know they can be pesky sometimes in CONCACAF, but once again, not really worried about them. Argentina, they're going to have no problem. They're going to run through no this group. They are bringing everybody with them. They're bringing Messi. They're bringing Sanchez. They're bringing just... Uh, it's a laundry list of guys that they're bringing, honestly. They're going to win the entire group with nine points. Yep, I got the same thing. I got Chile sitting in second with six points. I think you do as well. I do. Uh, the difference for us is that I have Panama beating Bolivia. Okay. Because I still think Panama is is one of those teams that is just on the border. Mm, okay. Just on the border of actually being... Um, a CONCACAF team that interesting that could be in those you know top sure. three or four okay. arguably every year. Huh. So so now with things change for us as we move on to the quarters. Quarterfinals is where it gets interesting. In my bracket, I have Colombia playing Brazil. I have Argentina, Uruguay, USA, Peru, and I have Mexico, Chile. In okay. Mine. So almost everything I, I've got the same ones except I have Ecuador and Costa Rica instead of Peru and uh, USA. Okay. There you go. So for me, uh, I have Colombia beating Brazil. Me too. Um, Colombia is just way too good. James Rodriguez. And just, ah, uh, there's a lot of really good talent for Colombia. And I, I expect them to make a really, really deep run in this tournament. Now, what's interesting, the last time there was a big tournament like this in the U.S. was 94. Mm. And that's when Brazil made it all the way to the final. Ended up winning in a shootout after uh, Roberto Baggio from Italy, best player, one of the best players at the time, mm-hmm. sent the ball over the... Uh, Crossbar. Anyways, it's being the old man there Italy. again. Love yes. it. Argentina, Uruguay, uh, why not do it again? People really enjoy these games. A couple of teammates going at it as well. Argentina's going to win this game. Yep, that's what I have. Peru, USA. Now, this is interesting. Folks are going to be looking at the USA. This is a big if. If the USA gets through, I may have given the U.S. a fairly easy path here okay. moving forward. I have the USA beating Peru in this one, and we'll get to my next one. If in a that happens, I do think the U.S. will beat 
Peru. <clears throat> but I have, if it's a USA Peru in the quarterfinals, yes. you're saying that's the only way because if Peru, if Brazil finishes higher than whoever else in their group, if the US you know, get out of their group in second, they would have to play Brazil, which originally was there, but then I wanted I switched things around a little bit. Gotcha. And that's gotcha. how Peru ended up ah, with USA. Ah. Well, it is interesting how the schedule worked out that basically a lot of these CONCACAF teams would end up um, in group the uh, the second half of the bracket in mm-hmm. which you would have almost a guaranteed CONCACAF team in the yes. semifinals, right? Exactly. Uh, so, there really is no other way around that. Right, right. So I have Costa Rica beating Ecuador. Oh, okay. I just, I really, yeah, I just that t- makes sense. I think Costa Rica is, is going to surprise people in this tournament. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mexico beating Chile in the Same other quarterfinal. Me. Same for me. So then for those of you keeping track at home, that means it's Colombia, Argentina in the semifinals in my bracket. And USA versus Mexico as well in my semifinals. I got the same first semifinal. The second semifinal would be nearly identical, but yep. it's Costa Rica and Mexico. So I have Argentina again. They're just the better team. Like I said, they've brought every single buddy, just everybody. Argentina, clear all the way through to the final. The USA-Mexico game. Mexico has the better roster. They do. We know this. It's that rivalry, though. It's, the, it's a different game. This could be If this was USA, anybody else, I would say they're done. They're going to lose. Mm-hmm. No chance mm-hmm. in hell. But because it's USA-Mexico, there's something about That's psychological. that psychological. Exactly. There's is something it, about that game. Does it end dose zero? That would be beautiful <laughs> if it did because, you know, this is, it's a home game kind of for both teams, honestly, especially in the U.S. with Mexico. But USA, they get the victory, barely, but they get the victory, and they move on to take on Argentina in the final. I do have... Mexico beating Costa Rica, so my final ends up being Argentina, Mexico. And then you have Argentina, USA. I have Argentina, USA. USA fans get excited if you want to. Oh, we made it to the final. No, you're going to get just completely boat raced <laughs> by Argentina in the final. There's no chance in hell. I'm sorry. Argentina wins the whole tournament. Mexico beats Colombia in the third place game. Here's what's interesting. If the U.S. makes it that far, I think they actually beat Argentina. What? I think they surprise a lot of people and they beat Argentina. Really don't think so. Um,. You know, confederation on what, on what con- grounds? Well, again, Confederations Cup that we saw a few years ago, they were up 2-0 on Brazil. Sure. sure. And they they should have won that. They should. Another have. one of those close calls for mm. Bob Bradley. True. And Landon Donovan and company. <sighs> so uh, Kind of foreshadowing what I'm going to choose here. I actually think Mexico wins this whole thing, Baxter. Mm, interesting. I think the these basically being home games for Mexico, uh, a roster that is stacked, Argentina having a history lately. Mm-hmm. Obviously the loss to Germany. In the uh, in the last World Cup final, Messi wants a trophy. I almost think that's going to work against them. Ooh. Wanting it so bad that they lose focus on that one specific huh. game. Okay. So I've got Mexico winning the entire Copa America. Interesting. Well, let us know your thoughts about our brackets. Um, for those of you that I mean, I'm Facebook friends with and on Twitter as well. I sent my bracket out via that this week. You can check it out. Simon will do the same. Uh, compare, contrast, make fun of us if you want to. Agree, disagree. We'd love to hear from you. At Two Up Front Soccer at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to chat briefly about what happened this week in NWSL, and then on the phone will be Lydia Williams of the Houston Dash to join us as well. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com.
back here on another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, let's take a gander at what happened this last weekend in NWSL action before we are joined in just a few minutes here by Lydia Williams of the Houston Dash and Australian national team. Some interesting games. Some teams found their scoring feet or foots or head or however the balls went in. They figured it out for <laughs> a couple did. teams. And uh, one game postponed as well. But uh, let's let's take a look back at what happened. Uh, Thursday, we'll briefly talk about it. Seattle Rain played a friendly against the Arsenal Ladies FC. They drew 1-1, which against a, you know probably one of the best NWSL teams, against probably one of the best Europeans. Sure. A fair result, I suppose. Sure. Sure. Why not? That's all we really need to say about it. <laughs> Moving on about that one now that we talked about the, the scoring. It was crazy. Western New York Flash, a week after the Boston Breakers got that, finally their first 1-0 victory against FC Kansas City. They get blown out of the stadium. Blown out. 4-0. Blown out. Yeah. Holy L- cow. Lynn Williams with a brace on the day. Uh, a minute apart <laughs> were her goals, 64th, 65th minute. Um, of course, it f- did finish with uh, the penalty kick that happened there, in the, sure. obviously in the box. Where else would it happen, right? Yeah. But yeah, what a what a thrashing mm. Western New York put on, especially Which is again good for in them, the though. second that half. That really helps them because they've been a quiet team this year. I mean, they're still sixth place right now. They're four and three. They've got 12 points, but they've scored 12 total goals on the year. But first place is only at 14 points which so. is the Chicago Red Stars. So being in being in 5th place at 12 point or you know being in 5th place in a t- league of 10 teams doesn't sound great but then when you look at it and go oh wait they're only 2 points off yeah, the top. Yeah, they're a winner. Yeah, they're a winner cuz I mean you look at the it's 14 13 13 12 12. That's the top 5 teams right there. There is so much room for anybody to really take it at Absolutely. any point this year. Chicago just has gotten fortunate. They've only lost one game this year, and they've got two draws. Well, and of course, with that canceled game as well, Washington sitting on six games, so they've got yes. a game in hand with yep. 13 points. Yes, the Washington Spirit and Houston Dash uh, had a thunderstorm that postponed the game. If anybody was following the game on Twitter at all, the teams were really having a fun time with it. I think it was they were saying it was like the Washington Wave Riders against the Houston <laughs> Splash or something right. like that. They were they were having a good time with it, and there was even videos too from like the teams like in the hotels training. They're like, well, we don't have a game. But but we got a train, so they were like doing different warm-ups like in the halls of the hotel. It was it was kind of funny to watch between the Houston Spirit and Houston Dash Twitter feeds. Uh, FC Kansas City, they got a win. They did get a win. Against a really good team, too. Yeah, what's interesting about this is uh, because of the international college for the women's team, they had two players in the back who have not played before. Mm, so talk about taking advantage of an opportunity. And they did. They needed to. FC Kansas City, they don't even care if it would have been a U10 team. They got a win. That was such a needed win for them. That first goal from Yael Averbush took a ricochet. She got fortunate about that one. Goal's a goal, though, at the end of the day. Hey, as as uh, many coaches say, you create your own luck in exactly. soccer. That's exactly. exactly what We'll happened. talk about that drug bug going a little bit here with the other right. galaxy. Holy <laughs> cow. So the FC Kansas City, they get a much-needed victory. They move up to ninth place now. Move up to ninth place with five total points on the year. They're at one, four, and two. Still got to see a lot more from them, honestly. I don't know what is going on with them. We'll hopefully see some change from them. And then Sunday saw a pair of draws between the Red Stars and Sky Blue FC, and the Portland Thorns and Seattle both drew 0-0 again. That's that's one of those series that I feel like there's it's either a blowout or there's a draw. Like Portland and Seattle, they always they they match each other well. I feel like they do, they do, and uh, yeah. So a couple of draws on as you said on Sunday, which held Chicago. Back from taking the top spot in the league, but still, you know, a decent result, 1-1. Um, 
pretty even game from uh, yes. from what I saw. No, I completely agree with you on that one. Sky Blue, we've mentioned this a couple times on the program. They're kind of that pesky, quiet giant right now. They're not bad, but they're not really good at the same time. But they've done a good job of kind of hanging in there. They're two, three, and two. They've got eight points total. One and two on the road. One, one and two, or one and two at home. One, one and two on the road as well. Taking a look at the leaders currently right now in the NWSL, Kristen Press, Diana Matheson, and Joanna Loam, Kim Little, Lindsay Horan, Lynn Williams, and Sam Mewis all have three goals, so there's really not, they're all tied for first place right now. A couple of those gals are gone, though, for international duty, so that might allow others to step in and possibly overtake that as well. Tobin Heath and Crystal Dunn, five and four assists, respectively. Rachel Daly from the Houston Dash, what up, Rach? She's got three assists. Kristen Press, she's been peppering opposing teams' goals, 27 total shots, 22 of those on target. That's yes, impressive. Yes, yes. You know, the, the, it doesn't surprise me either that Crystal Dunn is up near the top yes. with assists in the league. I mean, she is such a strong player, especially when he gets when she gets out there on the wing wide open and, and crossing that ball. Yes, in. I completely agree with you on that one. There have been three red cards this season. Um, aside from that, Lindsay Horan has got four yellow cards. She leads the league with four yellow cards. There's 12 other people that have two each. A little surprising there, but hey, Lindsay likes to you know rough people up, and she's gotten carded four times from it. You can't really falter too much for that. Uh, clean sheet category, Alyssa Nayer, she's got four. Stephanie Levy has got four as well. And then Nicole Barnhart leads the league in saves for Kansas City. That's also because she sees a ton of shots in yeah, game as does. well. So <laughs> I've always felt like leading in the saves category was either a really good thing or a bad thing because either your team's a really good team and you just have made good saves at times or your team is really bad and you see a ton of shots yes. all the time. So uh, we have now on the phone with us the Houston Dash goalkeeper and Australia international Lydia Williams. Lydia, welcome to Two Up Front. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. You are welcome, Lydia. We are excited to have you here on the program. So many different things that we are excited to talk to you about. First and foremost, the Dash right now this season, you guys have been a little bit all over the place. You had some great success early on, and then recently you guys have been struggling a little bit too. Can you kind of shed a little bit of light about what's been going on with the team so far? You guys, I mean, you lost Carly Lloyd, but aside from that, you've got a fairly strong and healthy team right now from what we've understood. Yeah, you know, I think um, obviously we, we um, started the season really well, and um, you know, a really good uh, idea in mind. And we still have those ideas and have been working on it. But, you know, obviously, you know, it's a season that's, that's very long, so you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. So um, I think right now we're trying to get settled in a way that we, we want to play and everyone understands how their role is going to be affected on the park. So, um, you know, hopefully this weekend we'll, we'll get a little bit more understanding and have a, a, a good result. With some of the things that I, I, we've noticed throughout the season so far, Lydia, um, you really you guys have a lot of firepower. Honestly, I mean, looking through your roster, you look at you know even from from the young folks all the way up to even some of your veterans as well too. You've got you know incredible players like Ohai, New O'Sullivan, I mean Carly Lloyd when she was healthy, Melissa Henderson, Rachel Daly, Ellie Brush, Andressa. You could go on and on and on about so many of these talented gals. How does that help even on a, from a practice perspective? Because you're the one that has to probably face most of these shots in practice on a, on a daily basis. How does getting a chance to work against some of these ladies in practice help you become a better goalkeeper? Um, you know, obviously, I think uh, the key to goalkeeping is consistency. Um, you know, and as long as, you know, the strikers are doing their job and the midfielders in, in getting, you know, shots on target, that, you know, helps my, um, I guess, consistency and, you know, my, my play. So, um it's actually good every session to kind of get a bit of a workout and a bit of a sweat up um, and work on the things that I need to do, not only for the dash, but also, you know, for the national thing as well. 
Speaking of the national team, you've had a distinct opportunity to represent Australia. You were the goalkeeper for the 2015 Women's World Cup. Uh, Australia was certainly, I feel like, a dark horse team for a lot of folks. You, a lot of folks are really pulling for you. I know personally I was really excited about everything that you as a team were doing. I understand you're, you probably didn't finish the tournament how you guys had hoped, but from what you saw, from what you witnessed from your teammates and how you feel like you played too, was the result that you ended up with uh, a fair assessment of where your team was at at the moment? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, right from the start when we are leading into preparations, we, we always had, you know, a, a quiet confidence about us. And, um, you know, every team wanted to be a male champ. I go out at every training session, every game that we played leading up to Canada, you know, with that thought in mind. Um, and I think we surprised a lot of people around the world. Um, and so, yeah, right now, you know, we had a little bit of a rebuilding phase after that to, to qualify for the Olympics. Um, and, you know, right, we'll go back home um, in a couple of days' time, and that's kind of our final, I guess, camp. Uh, speaking of the Olympics, Lydia, uh, this is Simon talking to you. You guys have a tough group down in Rio, Canada in Germany especially, and there you do have Zimbabwe. What do you think your chances are of advancing? Of course, in, in the Olympics, you know, some of the high third-place teams do advance mm-hmm. as well. But what are your chances of getting out, out of this uh, almost a group of death looking at women's soccer here? Uh, yeah, obviously we got put in, the, I guess, a group of death in, in Canada. So, you know, for us to be you know, up against the odds, I think that kind of suits us. We, I think Australia as a nation likes to be the dark horse. Um, and prove people True, wrong. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, for us, it just builds our motivation and our confidence. Obviously, we have to make sure that, you know, physically and mentally we're, we're in the right headspace to, to go into these games and the importance of not getting too wrapped up in the hype of being at the Olympics. But, you know, I think, um, you know, the girls matured a lot during Canada and, and last year. So I think, you know, definitely have the right mindset in mind. I think one of the things that's brutal is the schedule, Lydia. You've got three days between each games uh, down in the Olympics, August 3rd, August 6th, August 9th. How do you handle such a tight schedule like that? Uh, well, obviously, I think our medical staff's going to be working overtime. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but, yeah, no, leading into our Olympic qualifiers when in Japan, we played every second day, so um, we're not... We're not foreign to, you know, playing, you know, with only a rest, one day rest or two days rest. So um, for us, I think it's something that we've, we've been through quite recently. So, yeah, our medical staff will definitely be, um, you know, midnight working and making sure that all our bodies are allocated to perform the next day. From a, from a perspective here, Lydia, looking at this group, still uh, talking with Lydia Williams here of the Houston Dash and also of the Australian Women's National Team, looking at this group, all three teams that you're playing really are completely different. You know, Canada plays a very unique style of football compared to how the Germans play. The, you know, we've heard about the German machine from the men's and the women's side. And then Zimbabwe's kind of a run-and-gun team, too. And Australia, I feel like, combats some of what Canada and what Zimbabwe do, but are you guys going to have to try to put a lot more pressure on a team like Germany who just loves to just kind of play keep-away for 90 minutes and then pull up shots every once in a while? Or how? It's, I feel like that's going to be a little confusing and a little difficult, at least from a goalkeeper's perspective, too, of trying to organize your back line accordingly to deal with so many different barrages of attacks. Yeah, you know, I think um, obviously that's... We have quite an extensive um, staff that help out, you know, how we want to play and, you know, video sessions um, and meetings to, to try and get you know, the way that we're going to combat each team um, on the day. Uh, but I think, you know, obviously Germany, they're, they're, they are a powerhouse. They're, they're strong um, and they've been in the top, I guess, two in the world for, for quite some time. So 
Um, it's definitely going to be difficult, but we're not going to be, be sitting back. You know, we want to get a result out of that game. So I think that's going to be quite an exciting matchup um, for the tournament. Lydia, switching gears here. Uh, when we had Elia on the show, yeah, I had done a little bit of uh, research, and, <laughs> and I got to bring up some bad stuff here. Canberra United, you guys came close to making it to the W League final down there in Australia, but uh, there was some controversy, you could say, in that uh, semifinal game. I don't want you to get any fines, mind you, but. Uh, <laughs> or be mad at us because we, we're on your side. We're on your and Ellie's side. We've seen the video a hundred times, and we are just as upset. But but being there, living in that moment, can you can you take us through that? <laughs> um, well, okay. Obviously, I think um, yeah. Well, I, I got a yellow card for my effort for trying to argue with the ref. So <laughs> a that, valiant that's the first effort. Time that's ever so to say that I was pretty livid is probably an understatement. Um. But, yeah, no, the ball went up in the air, um, kind of like a cross, and as I tried to get up for it, um, my arm got hooked underneath another the opposition striker. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I'm trying to jump for it, I'm pretty much, you know, jump, trying to jump with an arm being pulled down. So basically I couldn't really challenge for the ball. It kind of got hit, you know, one of our players and kind of bounced out for, you know, Jazz Spencer to just slot it in. So, um you know, it was pretty funny at the time, like, looking back at it, that, you know, we had five five referees around the field, but, you know, I guess <laughs> wow. that's well, sometimes you can't, you can't take it back, so, yeah, you know, it's not the best thing, but at least it wasn't a World Cup. I think that, that would have been... That's true. Yeah, that is a whole... I probably would have got a red card or something. Well, and, and another question that I asked Ellie, um, because obviously a lot of, a lot of uh, NWSL players go and play in the uh, Australian mm-hmm. w, uh, w League. What do you see are some of the differences between the two? You know, a new league or anything, but I think the way that it's developing is, is quite new. You know, we're getting more funding and getting more backing from the men's team um, and, you know, more, uh, I guess, media and sure. people coming out to watch, which is really exciting. Um, but it's definitely a league that, you know, really focuses on, like, the technical aspect and, you know, trying to, you know, play football in the way that, you know, girls can break into our national team. So um, on that aspect, I think it's <laughs> it's always good to have a holiday in Australia during summer. So <laughs> I think that's, that's the main thing that draws, you know, international players in. Gotcha. Gotcha. What I got to ask you, when's the last time you've had a break? Because just looking at, uh, looking at your career here, you've, you've been, you've been around, you've been with the, the Red Stars, the Washington Spirit, um, Western New York Flash, but again, we also see how many times, how many years you've spent in the W League. Do you do you get a chance to take a break? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you define as a break? A holiday or like uh, no football for like two weeks? That's much well, I guess maybe the better question is, what do you define as a break? Then maybe <laughs> <laughs> my my break probably would be a holiday. I'm um, actually traveling somewhere and not being around any kind of football, but. Mm. I haven't had that in a really long time. I think maybe maybe three or four years. Wow. So you're due is what you're telling us then. You're, you're due for due for a little bit of a break then. Yeah, I'm hoping hoping so. You know, after Brazil, we'll see what happens. Maybe stay down there for a little extra while, right? Exactly, yeah. Be like, sorry guys, I got, I got separated from the team. I'm just going to have to spend some time down here. And uh, I'll, get, I'll catch you back up to Houston at some point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how that will fly, but we'll see what happens. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, switching back gears here for a moment, uh, Lydia, back to Houston. A uh, couple of these uh, upcoming games are against some fairly talented teams as well. I'm assuming you said you don't fly out until this weekend, so you will be a part of the game. Uh, you know, we got to take on the Washington Spirit, and then you guys have the Seattle Rain, FC Kansas City as well, too, and even the Orlando Pride. That's kind of a, a bit of a grueling schedule, at least in terms of uh, how the NWSL League has, has done such a great job so far this season. Preparing for teams like that with such firepower going up against strikers like Kim Little and Alex Morgan, how do you, as a team right now, kind of bounce back from this? You could call it a little bit of a slump, unfortunately. I mean, obviously, as we mentioned, you guys started off fairly well with that 3-1 victory, and you had some great rookies like Rachel Daly and you know Becky as well jump on the scene. But I feel like something is just missing from these games that I've had the opportunity to watch. And I've watched every single game this season, too. But... I just feel like there's something that's like a disconnect or something between some of the players that's going on, or can, I don't know. Can you shed a little bit of light about what you know what's what you're seeing on the field? Um, you know, I think um, the key for you know every footballer and um, you know to get results out of the game is you know consistency, and I think we're we're just trying to find that at the moment. But um, in saying that, you know, the games have been quite close. We've had, it's not like we haven't created chances. You know, we've it's been pretty even possession and and gameplay as well. So, um, you know, I just think it's something that, you know, we're developing along the way. Um, you know, obviously you want to kind of develop it a little bit faster, but, uh, you know, we're getting there. We're, we're playing really good football at training and combinations in the park, and we have some fantastic players in, you know, every position. So, you know, I, I think, I think you know, we've had a few meetings this week to try and get the team together and um, really, you know, go out this week and, and try and get the results. So I think... You know, we're, we're nearly there, but not just quite. So it'll be interesting to see how we perform and, you know, hopefully we get the win. One thing we talked about, too, when we had Rachel Daly on the program a couple of weeks ago is uh, the fact that Houston is hosting the NWSL Championship this year. How much more of uh, added pressure does that put on a team like you that, you know, it's your it's your home venue. That's you know where you play all of your football. How much more pressure is placed on you guys now? Because you you want to you know play in your own backyard if you can. Releases you know the travel, all of that things. But when when you found out that announcement, did you as a team kind of get together and say, "All right, let's get it together here. Let's uh, let's really try to make a push for it because we want to play in our own backyard." Uh, for me personally, I just try and take every game you know as it comes. I don't really like to you know try and go dwell too far into the future because you you know you're not you're not there yet. There's still you know. 12, 15 games to play of the season. So um, I think majority of the girls are on that same page. It's awesome that, you know, the Houston is going to be, um, you know, hosting it and it, it, it's exciting to see the crowd and, you know, hopefully, you know, it builds up the, I guess, the interest um, a little bit more. But, uh, you know, I think I think we're just going to take one game at a, as a time and, you know, hopefully we're in the top four come the end of season. Absolutely. Well, Lydia, we really appreciate you taking some time with us here on Two Up Front. You can catch Lydia Williams in goal for the Houston Dash and for the Australian national team. Go and check out their games if you happen to be in the Australia area as they take on New Zealand as well, June 4th and June 7th. And if you're down in the Houston or anywhere where the NWSL action takes place, Lydia Williams, thank you so much for taking time today on Two Up Front. Cheers, thank you. And you Thanks, are welcome. Lydia. We're going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more exciting action in store for you. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan for this interview. He had to run off and be a parent for a short interview as we are continuing to move on with our show here today. We have a great opportunity now to speak with MLS goalkeeper Trey Mitchell. He is considered a league pool goalkeeper. He finds himself down in the great city of Kansas City, and now he joins us on the phone here on Two Up Front. Trey, good afternoon to you, and welcome to the program. What's up, Max? How are you? I'm doing well, Trey. Thanks so much for taking some time. Well, I, I need to ask, I've never heard of this, and maybe this because I don't follow the league as closely as maybe other true diehards. What the heck is a league pool goalkeeper, and how in the world does that somehow translate to you being in Kansas City now? Um, basically, a league pool goalkeeper is a goalkeeper that is um, able to be loaned out to any team in the league that needs an emergency goalkeeper. So um, let's say, for instance, the DC United, so they have a five goalkeeper debacle going on. Let's say if one of their five was injured um, and they had to um, either resign another pool or sorry, resign another goalkeeper, or they needed a goalkeeper to play or sit the bench, I would have the capability to go there for them to use me until they have their uh, goalkeeper back to health, and then I go back to my home. Do you do you find that to be more enjoyable as a player, so that you don't have to maybe have? consistently I guess obviously one season where you're maybe at multiple different teams or how does I'm confused I guess on how mentally that's got to be a little bit because it's like oh I'm here today oh I might be over there tomorrow it it seems like it'd be kind of fun honestly Uh uh-huh yeah it gets a little interesting um last year and this year as well um I'm I'm kind of new and I'm also a new player in the sport and um and in the league as well so I kind of came out of the uh under the radar from the d2 small d2 school um, and I think it was something that was good for me, just being able to have the ability to be loaned out to so many teams. Last year, I was loaned out to, I think, five teams. I was loaned out to Orlando, Philadelphia Union, um, Sporting Kansas City, um, and then a couple others. And for, to be able to bounce around the, or bounce around all the teams, um, meeting coaches, um, seeing how certain locker rooms are ran, seeing how certain coaches coach, um, and then also giving the opportunity for teams to see me as well. I thought that was very um, beneficial for me and beneficial for my career. No kidding, And it's something that I'm continuing to do. Um, So, yeah, just going to keep working. It's one of those things, too, where you kind of get an opportunity to almost have a season-long audition at multiple teams at times, too, because you can kind of show everybody. I mean, and even when the off-season rolls around, too, the teams can pull up their team sheets and be like, hey, we had that guy Trey in for a while. He was pretty good. Why don't we call him in or sign him up a little bit? So it kind of benefits you at the same time, if I'm understanding. Exactly. And if you look at it in the standpoint of where actually Tim Milia, who's our number one here, sure. um, he was the pool goalkeeper, I would want to say, 2014 season. Okay. And look at his success story. Yeah, exactly. So if he he's happened to He's comeback player of the year and just doing so well right now. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much something that I've had in my mind. Exactly. Well, uh, right now you are with Sporting Kansas City, as you mentioned. I'm curious then a little bit about what you've, as a player, been able to kind of take away from how the season has been so far, because it's been kind of an up-and-down season for Sporting Kansas City. They started off really hot, and then, unfortunately, they can't really seem to buy a win recently. I mean, they did get a victory recently against Orlando. They got a 2-1 victory. But aside from that, though, from somebody that's been a part of the organization that's really been there day in and day out, what have you noticed about the team so far? And can you diagnose maybe a possible problem? Is it people being injured? Is it a chemistry issue? What's going on? I don't necessarily think there's any crazy issues. I just think that um, necessarily the team is just 
kind of going through a little slump right now, and it's just not going their way. Um, I feel like they've put together some really good performances, such as Orlando. If you go and look at the Orlando game, where they had almost, I think, 40 shots on goal, or sorry, 40 shots in the entire game. Yeah. They were just playing beautiful soccer. Um, I think that was something that shows that when this team uh, gets everything going their way, it's, they're just going to freaking slide down the hill, and they're not. there's nothing that's going to be able to stop them. No um, I think right now, I just, I just think right now, it's just a little slump in the team, and uh, sooner or later, once they catch the fire back again, it's, I don't think there's going to be much stopping them. Um, they're a very strong team. Um, everybody in the locker room is awesome. Uh, the coaching staff is very strong. Um, they have a full belief system in the players, and uh, I think that just when they, when they get their break. Um, in a game, in the next game that they have, hopefully against DC, um, I think they're just going to be no suffering. Once they catch fire, though, Baxter, it's, it's going to be a pretty dangerous team. No kidding. And he's going to say, you look at this roster, too, even on paper, this is probably one of the best MLS teams, as we mentioned, at least on paper right now. But you get the opportunity as a player to work with guys like internationals, like Matt Beasler, and you get guys like Dom Dwyer, Graham Zuzzi, Benny Fellhopper. How does that help you as a player get to advance in your skill set by having such potentially world-class players working with and against you in practice? Going to in the locker room every day, seeing the leadership that a guy like Beasler or Benny Fellhopper, Zuzzi, or um, even some of the uh, players that aren't the biggest names, such as Kevin Ellis or um, Jake Peterson, um, Seeing all these guys work and seeing the way that this team works as a team um, and is not very individualized and everybody has a voice, um, whether it's from the staff or from the players, um, it's very, very, it's very, I would say it's a breath of fresh, or it's a breath of fresh air hmm. from what I've seen in the league and being in other teams. Um, this, to me, this is a real team here. And it's a team that when they're going down, they're going to go down all together. And then when they're on their high, they're going to be on their high together. Um, and I think that yes, you're you're 100 percent right. I'm gonna I've been learning so much from these high caliber players having to go up against Graham and going up against Benny and dealing with their shots, and then also being able to communicate with Matt in the back line and learning so much from his position and how I have to stay connected to my line and um, picking his brain a little bit through all that stuff. It is absolutely amazing. But something that I think is so important also through the Kansas City organization is that yes, they have those huge high name players. But they also give so much, um, so much faith and so much trust in the, as I guess you could say, lower, lower players or just not that big of a name player sure, yep. um, who is such as Jimmy Madronda. You look at Jimmy and how well he's been doing, and he just caught fire, and they just give it to him, let him go. Exactly. Um, I think that's that's something that I really, really like, um, and I think that that's something that the entire sporting uh, Kansas City coaching staff is very good at, and something that I was attracted to when I was last year, uh, when I was with them for the month last year, and it was something that I was so hungry to get myself back out here and be a part of it. Do you know if there's an opportunity for you to stay long-term at all in sporting at all, or is there still... I'm, I think I think that's always an opportunity, and that's um, something that um, is going to have to be crossed, or that's a bridge that has to be crossed when uh, we get there. But for right now, no matter where I am... Um, so as of right now, I'm here with sporting. Um, I'm going to give my 100% all to make sure I stay here for the next year. And whether it happens, whether it doesn't, I don't know. It's in God's hands, in my mind. And um, all I could do is just go out there and do my best every single day. And if sporting wants to um, have me back for their next season and be where I'm on their team, then absolutely. I would love that opportunity. Or if it's another team, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, my mindset is to – 
continue to work hard, um, continue to push myself, and continue to uh, turn heads in whatever coaching staff I'm a part of and give it my all to whatever badge I'm wearing. And if they want me to stay, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be ready to stay. Talking with Trey Mitchell here on Two Up Front, a league pool goalkeeper currently residing with Sporting Kansas City in Major League Soccer. Trey, stepping away from the soccer field for a little bit, I'm sure you got to do a lot of different things outside of the field that you know, take up some of your free time. How does a guy like you who does do all those different kinds of traveling and even being a goalkeeper, so how do you relax? What, do you, what does Trey do when he's not busy you know, saving balls from Dom Dwyer? Uh-huh. Um, that's something that I'm definitely going to have to use to now that I just came from California. I've been a California boy my entire life. Sure. So, uh, I'm, I'm so used to being on the beach every day after training and being able to go out and surf and hang out with all my friends on the beach and all my teammates from LA on the beach. So right now it's kind of a little bit of a culture shock being, I think our <laughs> closest beach here is 14 hours away. So Ooh, that's a little yeah. bit of a culture shock for me. But, um, I do, I, I really enjoy, uh, spending time out here and um this, it's a really beautiful downtown city um they have a lot to offer here um there's good little uh, restaurants and places downtown i also love going to golf um i also played golf in college so i'm a dual sport um and i'll go play golf as much as possible um i just had some family out here as well as my girlfriend came out and visited and oh, great. was able to spend time with her and all that stuff so yeah just trying to keep myself busy and then um also on the side to do a little bit of coaching as well um, help get my resume going up a little bit as well when I have to hang the boots up. And, uh, yeah, just definitely trying to stay busy as much as possible. Hmm. And that's definitely, that's certainly a good uh, segue, too, for, I mean, you're still very, very young. You're only 24 last time I checked. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, just turned 25. Last oh, time. you did? Okay, well, happy birthday to you on that one. But you've still got, from, a, from a professional playing career, you still have a good 5, 10, maybe even 15 years if you keep yourself in top shape. And, I mean, as a goalkeeper, I'd like to think I'm a little child right now. So, yeah. As I say, from a goalkeeper's perspective, you guys don't take as many hits as some of those, you know, field players or even defenders do on a, on a daily basis. You're probably going to outlast Dom Dwyer and other guys on the team in terms of play yeah. career-wise. But you did mention that, possibly coaching, doing other things like that. Or is that something mm-hmm. you, you do have your, your, your eyes set on for retirement once that, that fateful day does come around? Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Um, I also think that... Um, I'm a long ways away from that, but yes, I'm definitely uh, very hungry to possibly have the opportunity down the line to uh, be a coach. Um, I can, I come from a very long line of coaches uh, in my family, which is not from soccer. It's actually from football. Oh, okay. So I do have a long line of coaching um, in my blood and um, I really, I think I have a knack for it and have a niche for it and think I would be very good at it. Fantastic. All right. Well, Trey, we appreciate you taking some time today on the program. We uh, look forward to following the rest of your career as well, too. Right now, you can find Trey Mitchell at Sporting Kansas City as a league pool goalkeeper. Hopefully one day we'll see Trey officially starting between the pipes for one team full-time. But for right now, go and check him out at a Sporting Kansas City game if you can. Trey, thanks so much for taking some time today. We appreciate it. Yep, thanks, Baxter. You are very welcome. Right, we're going to run to a break, and we come back. More in store for you here on Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front. We're having a party. I'm Baxter Colvin. And this is Simon Prove and a pool party. Woo! 
Ooh, a pool party. Wait a minute. Is that because we just talked to Trey Mitchell, the league pool goalkeeper? <laughs> no, actually, it's it's kind of cool if you think about it, Baxter, that you're, you're basically being signed by the league and then loaned out to other teams. You get to experience all these mm-hmm. different teams. You get to experience different environments, different coaches, and you know maybe get picked up. Obviously, the ultimate goal is to is to get hooked up to one team. But. Exactly, and that's what Trey was telling us too. He was like, yeah, and I asked him like, "Are we going to see you long term in sporting?" And he's like, I, "I hope so." He's like, but at the same time, he's like, "Hey, wherever I'm needed, I'm you know I'm happy to go wherever I need to go." I just wonder how quickly do those guys dry off when they're sitting there in the league pool coming out. <laughs> being well, he was in LA team. for a while, and now he's in. Not as warm in sporting, so he's probably still a little damp. That's right, yes. <laughs> Gosh. Anyway, switching over, we've had a great opportunity. It's been a goalkeeper full show today. We talked to Lydia Williams a couple segments ago from the Houston Dash and Australian Women's National Team. We just dove in to Trey Mitchell and his career a little bit. and now, yes, That was good. That was good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And now we're going to move into MLS in a more official capacity. League that we are very Big fans of you with your Portland Timbers, me with my New England Revolution. And now we get an opportunity to head to the East Coast, to the District of Columbia, to the hallowed halls of D.C. United. And now we get a chance to speak with goalkeeper Andrew Dykstra of D.C. United here on Two Up Front. Andrew, good afternoon and welcome to Two Up Front. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, you are welcome. Andrew, we got to ask immediately, how are you doing with the injury? How's recovery going? Are you feeling any better? Are we going to see you on the field anytime soon? Yeah, injury's coming along. Um, it was pretty unfortunate timing, uh, you know, when, when Hamid had, um, taken on his injury, but we were, uh, we were in LA, slipped a disc uh, in my back and, and, uh, didn't really set in until the, the five hour plane ride, which doesn't help anybody with a back issue. No, not at all. Um, yeah, so got it, got it taken care of. Um, yeah, the surgeons are pretty optimistic about my return. They think, Still got a couple more weeks of, um, you know, trying to get the strength and speed back and all that stuff. But uh, no, I probably a couple more weeks. Um, you know, in terms of play time and all that, that's kind of up to up to Benny. So we'll we'll kind of cross that bridge once we get to that point. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the unfortunate timing about it too, because Bill had just gone down fairly recently, and then mm-hmm. everybody was excited to see what you were capable of doing. And then, as you mentioned, the timing kind of worked the way it did and it's kind of been a, unfortunately a little bit of the story of your career a little bit though you've been back and forth in and out with different teams and different clubs even within the league as a whole too is this one of those mm-hmm. things where you were just kind of sitting at home thinking about you're like come on like give me just give me one little break here soccer gods yeah yeah uh, i mean if, if you dwell on it and you keep thinking about it which i definitely did a couple days before surgery it drives you absolutely mental um but, you know, you got to kind of just put that stuff aside and focus on yourself. And, you know, I, I, the the thing is, you know, I, I'm not an injury-prone guy. I spent um, almost my entire uh, professional career without an injury or surgery. I didn't miss a day. And then, you know, there was the Achilles a few years ago that came out of nowhere. Um, bounced back from that. Got game time last year. Things were rolling. And then, yeah, this this happened again. Um, it was pretty unfortunate. But, uh you know, I, like I said, I can't can't dwell on it. Otherwise, it just drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I look at it as a very positive thing. Not that you're injured, Andrew, but um, you know, looking over your career, how you were undrafted, but you you made your way into the uh, Chicago Fire lineup, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually made your way as the starting goalkeeper after after they uh, they waived John Bush. And um, you know, we saw you play with Charleston Battery, and then make yourself back up, find yourself back up in the league again. So. 
how do you how do you keep pushing yourself through? I mean, it's it's a very positive thing that obviously you continue to play professionally, um, mm-hmm. but you know you're you're in the top league in the U.S. and then as I said, you go down to USL Pro, but then you find your way back up to MLS. How 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 do you do that as a fighter? Um, you know, it, I think a lot of it is it's just good timing. You know, I, I know that there's some folks that this ha- that happens to where they get bounced out of the league and they kind of. You know their head gets down, or they just settle for for where they're at, um, and, and you know they. I mean, they just kind of accept accept what it is. And you know, for me, I was single at the time, which is great because you know I. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, was, I was. Yeah, I was you dating. Didn't have any I was dating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't have any. I wasn't married. I should say I sure. wasn't married. There you go. But uh, you know, you, you have the ability to kind of to kind of go where you need to go and do what you need to do. And, and my girlfriend, then who's now my wife, you know, she's kind of like, you know, get it done. And, and we'll, uh, we'll kind of sort it out. You know, didn't have any kids. Um, you know, and my, my whole life has been athletics. Um, you know, I was, I did swimming for a short time. I wrestled as a kid. I, uh, I played football, could have gone to college to play football as a wide receiver. Um, you know, stuck with soccer and, I've always been an athlete, you know, to, to have size, strength, and speed kind of always gives me a great base to, to push from. Cause you know, when, when you have those, those things, you can always, you know, then you, then you focus on the skills. And, you know, when I went to Charleston, it was, you know, I, I wanted, I saw it as an opportunity. Um, you know, what can I do here that gets me back to the next level? Sure. And, yep. Which is good um, to have that mentality too. Exactly. I mean, and the same thing was, was out of college. You know, I, I came out and no one drafted me. I wasn't invited to the MLS Combine. Um, I went to Europe to do some training just to kind of buy some time to see, wait to see who might be interested in the States. Uh, and I was doing it in Germany. And they kind of said to me, they're like, you know, your feet aren't where they should be as a professional goalkeeper. So hmm. when I came back to Chicago, every single day after training was kicking with my left foot or, you know, trapping balls or whatever it is. So, you know, those days John Bush was, was playing my first year, I was I was working on my feet. So I'm always picking up, you know, the bottom part of my game. Hmm. Um, well, he's a good guy to learn thing, from, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, the uh, same thing happened when I went to Charleston. I went to Charleston and I looked back and I said, you know what, you know, these are probably things I could improve on or need to improve on. And I did. Um, and then I was kind of lucky enough that in my off season with Charleston, I, I'm from Woodbridge, Virginia. Um, my agent at the time had kind of said to them, you know, Andrew's around if you need a training partner and came in and they said, yeah, you know, we want you back next year for a contract. Worked out. And it's interesting, the evolution of the goalkeeper, um, you know, 20, 25 years ago, a goalkeeper with feet was, was a rarity, but now it's a necessity, you know, 20 years ago, making a back pass to your goalkeeper was a nail biting adventure in a game. But, uh, yeah. but, but now it's, as I said, it's a necessity. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, you know, what kind of, if you were to talk to young kids out there about being a goalkeeper and, and obviously working with your feet, what kind of things could they be doing as a goalkeeper? You know, what kind of, are, are the exercises different working with goalkeepers feet versus a field player? I think so. Um, because I'm, I, I'm very big on specificity. So, you know, if if you're a forward and you want to work on your feet, you know, you should 
you should work on trapping balls that are, you know, being in swung because you're typically going to see crosses. Or you should learn to trap and play with balls with your, your back to the goal or someone hanging off of you. Um, for me as a goalkeeper, um, everything is in front of me. So you, you always see the field. You typically have a little bit more time uh, on the ball than, you know, say a midfielder, defender, stuff like that. So uh, you, for me, it's kind of like, you know, if you're going to have that time, you better make the right decision with the ball. Um, so I would say to any youth, you know, p- put yourself in the goal. Um, have your dad or your teammates or whoever mm-hmm. it is hit it back from different angles. Um, have them challenge you by hitting, you know, bouncers in and learning to trap it, play out the other way, play the same side. You know, try and mimic as much as you can what you would do in a game. And um, I, almost, I almost got to think that for those dads who actually can't play, who are thinking, I, I, I can't take shots on my son. I don't know how to shoot. That's actually the best kind of person to take a shot because exactly. they're totally unpredictable. Go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. I understand. I was there as a youth. My, uh, my dad was a... Um, he wrestled in college, so I I wasn't getting any training from him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to ask you before we we just switch gears here a little bit, Andrew. You were born in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I'm a little curious mm-hmm. curious about that to now where we find you in in DC. How wh- how in the world did you end up in Honolulu? Uh, Dad is a Marine. Oh, he's uh, a uh, yeah, he's a retired Marine Colonel. Um, wow. So I was. I was born in Hawaii. We lived in Okinawa, Japan for a short time. Uh, went to Norfolk, Virginia, Southern California, and then I went to middle school and high school um, in Northern Virginia. He worked. He was either out of Quantico or or DC. Wow. Uh, okay. Until, until he retired, yeah. Wow. Well, let me just say that it makes sense where your tenacity comes no from. Kidding. Knowing your dad Absolutely. was a marine, and uh, without, <laughs> with, with, at the risk of sounding trite, uh, you know, we do thank your father for his service to this country. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's great. Was that something? I mean, since your father was so distinguished in the Marines at all, was that something that ever crossed your mind about a possible career path, or were you always hell bent on wanting to play soccer? It's funny you say that. Um, when I was younger, I was actually, and I still kind of am, a huge American football fan. Um, and hey, we're, we're, was, uh, we're from Wisconsin. We get yeah, it. We're, we're big Packers we're, fans. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it might even sound stranger because my dad's from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Ah. So we grew up watching, you know, I, I grew up watching Barry Sanders on TV. Sure. Uh, you know, Michigan football, Michigan State he had on. So I was always fascinated by football and I always wanted to be, you know, big, strong, fast, be a wide receiver, do all that stuff. Um, and I was, I was, uh, lucky to have the ability to do it in um in high school but didn't didn't really work out the way you know i was soccer would have that Mm. i predicted (laughs) and i was right which was good but uh um yeah uh Sorry, I got off course. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Yeah, I, well, uh, I, I will. I will say it's it's uh, it's got to be kind of amazing that so you grew up in Grand Rapids watching all this football. I'm sure both Michigan State and Michigan. And who would have yep. thought that you know 20 years down the road you're watching Real Madrid and Manchester United play in the big yep. house? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and I, I, had, I definitely um, there were there were people that you know I've I grew up with or I I knew in Camp Pendleton when we lived there or I knew you know in Norfolk. And they, when I grow up, they find me on Facebook, and they're like, man, I thought you would have been a Marine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. that's a good assumption, though, if, I, if they didn't know yeah. any better. Yeah. I know, I, as a kid, too, you know, my, my dad is huge into uh, American history. Oh, um, okay. 
Yeah, so when we when we drove across country both times <laughs> from California and then back, um, we visited every single battlefield fort <laughs> and yeah. So my my knowledge base <laughs> with with uh, you know military history, especially you know with the U.S., is pretty good. Um, and just having known everything and what I did, you know, everybody says that. They go, yeah, I thought you would have been in the Marines. Hmm. And, but you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was kind of a younger kid that had just a ton of energy and when i finally told my parents like yeah you know i, I want to get serious with soccer they're like you know more power to you keeps, <laughs> keeps you busy and running out of your energy and, sure um they didn't realize yeah, the potential that, that you had at that time they were just more concerned about you not being as obnoxious at home than as a little kid. <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much exactly <laughs> i went well it's and very then, uh, oh go ahead yeah, go, go ahead. ahead no go ahead i was gonna say yeah that thing you know like you know couple of years go by and I was actually a forward until I was probably about 15 or 16. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of always the athlete on the team. Um, and it, it kind of transferred nicely in, into goalkeeping and yeah. Um, you know, it was just kind of like, just like one opportunity fell in your lap after another. And then I just kind of seized it. So it went from, you know, just, playing kick around to finding a, a travel team. And then it was like, Oh, you're okay at this. And then I made the high school team. You're like, okay, you're all right. And then, you know, I said, you know, I, I found out you could get scholarship money to play soccer. So I said, yeah, let's try for it. Why <laughs> and, not? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Once, once that worked, I said, you know, I, I think I have a realistic possibility of playing professionally. And I, I, I mean, not everybody, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of great players that just don't have the opportunity or don't, aren't, aren't given a chance um, especially in the States, you know, like when I, you got to kind of take a sacrifice because when I started at, at Chicago, the, um, the old, uh, the mold minimum league minimum was, was, uh, was it 12, was 18 five? grand. 18. Okay. No, okay. It had just jumped to 18. So I was like the last generation to see the, <laughs> the, the poverty salary. <laughs> yes. Um, Literally. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. So wow. you kind of got to, and there's not there's I mean there's not a lot of people that are willing to to do that and to say you know what like I'm gonna make the most of this mm -hmm. and they say you know kind of forget about it uh, and there's other guys that just they just don't get the invite or they don't I mean I, I could think every every professional athlete unless you're just an absolute superstar when you're a kid younger you know you need you need a little bit of luck or you need an opportunity yeah and no exactly. Yeah, well, and, sure. you know, you even look at baseball players in minor league, they're not they're not making tons of money either. No. Um, but, yep. you know, your father being a Marine and you being a professional soccer player, I guess it's only fitting that you end up with uh, D.C. United playing in our nation's capital. You know, we're, and we're talking about uh, we're talking with Andrew Dykstra here on two up front soccer. Let's focus in on D.C. United a little bit. I, we know you're injured. Um, it's been a rough season so far, though, Andrew. And mm -hmm. uh <laughs> What are you guys doing to try to right this ship right now? Um, you know, I don't think that there's a lot of distress in the locker room. People believe in, in what, you know, what our abilities are. Um, and, and fortunately, it's, it's, it's much better. It's leagues ahead of the 2013 season where we, had, <laughs> you know, we only won a couple of games. Sure. But, um, it, it is nice to know what a team like that looks like. And then you look at your team now and you go, yeah, you know, we had rough times, but you know, we have good strings. We're, we're playing well. You've good players. We got the right people in place. So, you know, I, it, I, I can't, I can't speak for the coaching staff as sure. to what changes they want to make, but 
I can say that they do have the players in the clubhouse to get the job done. Do and I think that that's kind of what a lot of people are um, are counting on. Do you think some of the issue maybe with the the lack of wins right now has been because it's been kind of a, a rotating carousel of goalkeepers this year? I mean, goalkeepers at the... No. No? No, I don't think so. I, I know... I, I don't know what how that could affect uh, a play a field player's mentality. You know, I know sometimes if if you really have a goalkeeper that you do not trust, I'm sure that that can weigh mentally on on a group as a whole. But that being said, you know, Travis came in, didn't make any mistakes. You know, he he was learning. He did his job. He did well. He came up with a couple saves mm-hmm. um, to keep us in games. You know, and then he just like just like I had my streaks. Uh, the past couple of years, you know, he did too. He kind of, kind of got acquainted with the group, and they got used to the way he plays, and it kind of it worked out. Um, but Bill's, Bill's, you know, heading back in within the next couple of weeks, so which is great. Um, He's a very special player, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, so I think you know, I think that 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 probably gives. I, I would assume that gives some players some motivation. Um, you know, the just a little bit confidence, and you know, maybe. I mean, I know that they they change. There's more changeover in hockey with goalkeepers. You know, with the with the ups and downs, sure, and they yeah. kind of change them in and out to to spark a group. Um, but this, you know, maybe maybe that could could happen with us. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Hey, that's the beautiful thing about soccer is that anything can happen on any given day. Exactly. Well, Andrew, we really appreciate you taking the time today, Andrew Dykstra, the goalkeeper for DC United, and we look forward to hopefully seeing you back out on the field sometime soon, Andrew. Good luck with the rest of your recovery, and uh, we'll hope to have you back on the program again in the future. Uh, thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. You thanks, are welcome. Andrew. We're going to run to a break. Right. When we come back, we've got more in store for you here on Two Up Front. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio. Two up front, rolling on. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. Okie doke, Simon. Let's move into more MLS talk there. We just chatted with Andrew Dykstra, goalkeeper of D.C. United. Great guy. Interesting story, too, about his dad and about him possibly choosing the Marines or the military yeah. and everything, too. Really, really nice guy to chat with, and uh, pleasure to have him here on Two Up Front as well. Special thanks to him and D.C. United, of course, for making that happen. All right, let's take a look back at the week that was in Major League Soccer. I finally, the Revs, not I, yes, I made it happen. The Revs <laughs> finally got another victory. They beat the Seattle Sounders 2-1. to one. I'm thrilled by that. Great move by the young guy, Femi. He got the game-winning yeah. goal as well, too. So so excited for them and uh, moving up in the standings. Still not in the playoffs right now, but still you got to you playoffs. Gotta, playoffs. We're definitely not talking about the playoffs right now for the Revs. Fun fact: I forgot to mention this. I should have opened the show with this, but I'm going to say this right now. My sweet wife for our first year anniversary we just celebrated a couple days ago here. Congratulations! Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. She bought us Chicago Fire New England Revolution tickets. In October. Oh, very So fun. excited. That's she great. will, however, be like eight and a half months pregnant at that point as well. So she's like, if I'm too big, you're my, you're my de facto, you're, you're my, my, my second <laughs> wife if, if okay. she can't go. Sounds good. So, because she was like, she's like, I want to go. And she's like, barring any weird complications, she's like, I'm going to be there. She's like, I'm going to be huge. She's like, but hey, I want to go. Hey, how cool would it be to say, yeah, well, we gave birth <laughs> to our child at a New England Revolution This is our game. new child, <laughs> Lee Wynn Colburn or Diego Fagundes Colburn. <laughs> you're like, oh, she'd probably say no to that. 
I think that would be a lot of fun. But yeah, she, I was so surprised. She was, uh, when I woke up on our anniversary, she's like, you should check your email. I'm like, okay, sure. I checked and I was like, oh my gosh. She like sat the, the confirmation sent to me, basically. She's like, guess what? Oh, I'm like, oh awesome. my gosh. Very cool. Because she got up before me and did all that. And I'm like, look at you. Ironic that you bring that up now because I was actually in Chicago this oh, last weekend for right. the Portland that's Timbers right Chicago were. Fire game. How'd that go? It Well, the, it, <laughs> it was... It went. How was the experience? The experience was fantastic. There you go. <laughs> it was great. No, it was actually it was really great. You know, one of the things I love about this league is that you do have as bad as the fire are. Yeah. I, I, I give many props to Section Eight, their supporters group. Yeah. Very dedicated. Um, I do enjoy their Hauptman out chance, <laughs> the owner of the fire who never shows up to a game. Love it. Um, but. I went down there, had my Timbers Army gear, and actually got some more Army gear from one of my friends out in Portland. Hey. Got some junior scarves for my daughters, so nice. already indoctrinating them. Well done. Um, well done. But no, the, you know, the, the Section 8 had invited us to their tailgate party as well, so we were Very hanging nice. out with them. Great Mexican food, by the way. Oh, it was fantastic. It. Uh, and I took my brother-in-law. This was the first MLS game regular season MLS game he's ever been to. Okay, he's, that'll be my same too when I go to the, oh, the Revolution okay. game, unless okay. I happen to get to one before that, yeah. but that's the plan right now. So Chad, uh, my brother-in-law, lives up in Minnesota, okay. uh, in, in, near the Twin Cities, so he's been to Minnesota United versus MLS team sure, games, yeah, but, but this is official. his first actual... Is he going to be a Minnesota United supporter when they... I, well, he already is, oh, so okay. I'm, I'm assuming he so will continue that, that to be. jump up. Yes. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. So the game itself, though, Baxter was... was Bad. Yeah. Portland, one, one draw. Portland How do you really... draw a team like Chicago? And Chicago actually looked like the better team this really? week. Really? <clears throat> Ackham was playing really well up front, making some fantastic runs. Is he uh, as fun to watch in person as he is on TV? Yes. Okay. He yes, just he looks is. like Even he's more so, so much fun. Yeah, he's so fast. Yeah. He's got great skill. Uh, but Portland was really missing Nagby. I mm. talked about this on last week's show, yep. but I think it's going to affect them a great deal, and it certainly did. They mm. they could not work that ball up the front. And when they finally, when Timbers finally got the ball up front, the whole thing just slowed down. <sighs> Where Chicago, Shoot. they get that ball up front, and they just kept going at it. Uh, Gleason kept them in the game. He had two outstanding saves, mm. and my brother-in-law is a former keeper, so he really ah, appreciated that. Okay, uh, But not the best, I will say, was not if if I could go back and choose which game to take him <laughs> to for his very first experience, that wouldn't be the sure, one, to be honest sure. with you. But now he's going to have to return the favor, so when Minnesota United open their new stadium, he's going to have to take you oh, when they play Portland. Better believe it. I think that's a fair <laughs> trade-off right there. Well, it was an interesting week in MLS. Uh, if you didn't draw, you won, which I know is kind of a weird thing to say, but at the same time, I mean, there was a ton of draws this week. There were. Orlando and Philly, as we mentioned last show, we missed, but they, but they drew 2-2. Uh, Vancouver, Houston drew 1-1. Drew Chicago, Portland drew 1-1. San Jose, FC Dallas drew 0-0. Colorado, Philly drew 1-1. And NYC, FC drew 2-2. So many different draws. A couple different storylines rolling through a couple of these. Good for Philadelphia and Colorado. We mentioned Philadelphia maybe going into Colorado, finally you know, rebuffing that, that home fortress that had been Dick's Sporting Goods Park. However, Colorado continues to hold strong, and they're like, "Look, we don't mind tying. We haven't just we're just not going to lose at home this yeah. year." Yeah, yep. Absolutely. So good for them. Yeah. Good for them, Colorado. We'll see if that affects our power rankings a little bit later on, though, with a draw to a really good team like Philadelphia in the Eastern Conference. Aside from that, you mentioned the Colorado or the Chicago Portland game. It is what it is. Portland fans, I'm sure, not are thrilled because how do you draw a team as poor as Chicago? But as you mentioned, you take a guy like Nagby out of the mixture, and it's a whole new team. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the heartbeat of the team right exactly. now, playing center mid. Uh, so it wasn't, wasn't a horrible result. I think anytime you get a point on the road, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's just that they are also losing and drawing at home quite a bit. Yes, exactly. Uh, two games I want to make mention of, uh, one that 
I think maybe had a couple of people really frustrated uh, was the RSL Columbus game. In this game, RSL, they, they scored first in the 13th minute, but then right after that, Columbus, they rattle off four goals, Simon, but then they allow RSL to climb back into this game. I, I'm really having a hard time jumping on the fact of if Columbus is actually a better team or not than RSL. Yao Plata, he was back in this game as well, too, which was great to see. He got that assist on that first goal and scored the final goal. I don't know, but you have to you have to commend the Ola Kamar. He had his first MLS hat trick, so obviously that's a big deal. But you're up four one, and you let a team call the way, come all the way back to four three. That still asks a lot of questions. I feel like I can understand the reasoning behind that. At the same time, RSL is a good team, especially with Plata being back. Ramondo, we know he's the superstar that he is in goal. I see this as a lot of hope for Columbus. Mm-hmm. They've been on a string of draws. Before yes. that, a string of losses. Now they finally get a win. Does this put a string of wins together now? So that would I actually, be nice. I see more hope in this than I do... Uh, well, what's the opposite of hope, Baxter? <sighs> Despair? Yes. Yeah. I was, I, well, you look at Columbus right now. I mean, they've played 12 games. They're 3-5-4, and four, 14 total points, and they've won two out of their last six games. Yeah, I mean they they won the first one and they won their last you know of the six, but still. And let's not forget, Steve Clark made an outstanding mm-hmm. save in this game just before halftime and, uh, from you know another great uh, yeah. plot of spot kick. I, and Columbus has only lost one of their last six games as well too. They've gotten three draws in there as well. Say what you will about draws. I know draws are a poor man's win, obviously, but still not losing in the last only losing one time. Listen, when you're a team that's struggling at the beginning of the season like Columbus has, you have to treat a draw as a win. It you really have is. to celebrate yeah. those. So you know, with with again I mean they they beat they drew Montreal four four, which we can say what we want to about that game, obviously leading to the demise of Kai Kamara leaving. They drew Colorado one one, which is a very big, you know, monumental thing for them. And then they drew TFC 0-0. So they've gotten a shot out of this. They've been scoring goals. They've only lost one time. And then that one loss that they had was a 1-0 loss to Seattle. It's not like they got blown out of the park. Right. Right. So I like what they're doing. They're on the right track, I feel like. you know, We'll see if they can continue on with it in ninth place, relegation zone as you were. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. Other games that took place this weekend, Simon, certainly uh, one of the games that I wanted to make mention of was the Montreal-LA Galaxy game. Oof. A very important game in MLS as a whole because it pitted two of the best teams with the best players against each other. Maybe a, a, a preview of what we might see in MLS Cup. I know it's a very early statement to make, but I could I would get behind a Montreal-LA uh, MLS Cup, honestly. Yeah, the, the thing is with this game is it's really... It was a game against two teams against... Two really porous defenses. Ah. You know, strong offenses against porous defenses. And it doesn't get any poorer, see what I did there, ah, well than done. the way uh, <laughs> Brian Rowe Terrible. fumbled that Diego, uh, sorry, Diego, uh, Drogba. Diego Drogba. <laughs> the way his shot just, uh, I mean, Rowe had it in his hands. He did. Bounces right off. That, that to me looked like a Simon Proven indoor <laughs> goalkeeper goal. I got it. Oh, I <laughs> and mean, there it goes. England the fans are standing at home going, Rob Green! <laughs> Right. Basically, like, I mean, it's a little different of how it happened. But once again, you have to commend L.A., though, for coming back in this game. They scored first, then Montreal went bam-bam with Piatti and Antiviero. They were up 2-0 within a, or 2-1 within a fast amount of time. Those Montreal goals, well, and then L.A. answered just two minutes later, though. Mike McGee quietly doing really well this season. Continuing oh, he to is. Score goals, he is. Continuing to score goals. And then in that last-ditch effort, 94th minute, no business. No business going in. But it did. Goalkeepers, 
then goalkeepers all over the world are going, it's happened. It yeah, happens. Exactly. It happens right. all right. the time. It doesn't mean that Rowe is a horrendous goalkeeper. No, not it, at all. He made a bad mistake at the end of a game. And I don't know if you saw when the camera was panned to Bruce Arena on that. Yeah. Bruce Arena, you could tell he was just like, like this, son of this a is how it uh, ends? Really? Yeah, exactly. I will make one side note. When's the last time L.A. had just a drop-dead, knockout, amazing goalkeeper? They get all these fantastic star-studded offensive Donovan players. Donovan Ricketts, I would say. Donovan Ricketts? I mean, early Donovan Ricketts, because they brought him right, back for right. a second spell, and he was not as good. Donovan well, Jaime Ricketts. Pineda from, uh, from Panama. Oh, that's right. He was fantastic. Was it, was it Panama? Been... I think it was Panama. I think so. I have to look it up, but he was fantastic, so. and then he wanted more money. Yeah, and, and that's, so... that's the, obviously the hard part about it. But you think about it. I mean, no offense to Brian Rowe, no offense to even when Trey Mitchell played there last year, too, but when's the last time that you had just this really crazy... Good goalkeeper, you know? I mean, yeah. you talk about all these, yep. the millions they spend on Dos Santos, the millions they spend on Gerard, on Zardes, right. on Donovan when he played Robbie Keane. Why have they not gone out and tried to steal away a really big well, goalkeeper? And it goes back again, though, to was it really wrong of Pineda to ask for more money? And yes, he, he does play for the Panamanian national team. Was it wrong for him to ask for more money yeah. when he was playing as well as he was? Because now you see, can you imagine if they still had Pineda in goal? This would be a very, very good team. Yes. Very, very good team overall. Uh, one other game to make mention of, we mentioned there was a ton of draws this week. The Red Bulls, they figured it out. Somehow, yes, they have. They figured yes, it they out. Have. They won 3-0 thanks to three, count them, three goals from Bradley Wright Phillips and two assists from Sasha Kleshton. Here's a great linking together of what we are just talking about, by the way. Pineda's actually playing for Saprissa right now. Oh. And so the Red Bulls will face him in the CONCACAF Champions League. Interesting. Anyways, back to MLS talk here. Uh, you say what you want to about this as well. This game was 3-0 at halftime. This game was 3-0 yes. by the 27th minute. So Toronto had plenty of time to get something to figure out. And then my, you know, the Red Bulls had plenty of time to get more goals as well, too. I don't mind a 3-0 victory, but when it's 3-0 so early and nothing else happens the rest of the game, I have a, as, a, as a coach, as a fan, as an analyst, I look at this game and I go, well, what happened? What happened the rest of the, the 72 right. minutes, 73 minutes of the game? Did we just all say, to heck with it, let's just take the three points and be out of here? Or did Toronto just say, well, we don't care anymore? You just It's something to keep an eye on it going is. forward. It you is. Know? That's great that you got up so early, but we know TFC has been on a downward slump after being fairly decent on the road, and now they've come home and don't know what's going on anymore, honestly. So keep an eye on Toronto. Keep an eye on if something happens in that regards that uh, might actually be a good thing. Other than that, Simon, anything else that really struck your fancy this weekend? I wasn't uh, really blown away by too many of the other games. No, no, just uh, just some news that just came across the line here, though, Baxter. Speaking of the fire, as we were earlier taking oh. on Portland, uh, Gilberto, who is their uh, DP from Brazil that they actually oh, yeah. traded for, it sounds like that he's going to be cut from the team. We haven't seen him been playing much. True. And I think when you have somebody like hmm. Ackham playing the way that he is... Oh, he's a fantastic player. You don't need a high-paid player like Gilberto. Agreed. Do they have any uh, rumors where he might go? I am looking here. Let's, uh, let's see here. Sounds like he just may end up going back to Brazil and playing in the Brazilian league. That does happen usually. Towards the end of their careers, guys like that like to go back home and spend time with their family sure. and be back where they're, they're used to being. Uh, one other thing I want to make mention of, one other game, a draw that should not have ended in a draw, but give all credit, all credit to Orlando for coming back in this game. NYCFC Orlando they were up, NYCFC were up 2-0. Orlando battled back with goals in the 72nd and 94th minute. Obviously, the game went, game tying goal came off of an incredible bicycle kick from Kevin Molino. If you haven't seen it, 
go and check it out. It was a Sports Center top ten play. It bounced off the bar. Josh Saunders could do nothing about it. It was just an incredible play. But at the same time, NYCFC, you gotta press. You gotta press. It was incredible that they let something like that happen. And uh, I mean, this game also could have been a 3-2 game as well because David Villa slipped on the penalty kick spot and skied his penalty kick as well. Maybe that goes back to the fact that they're playing on a baseball diamond. And I think that part of the stadium is where was covered over the baseball infield as well, too. Oh, is that right? Yeah, we made, we made so. mention of that on the show last week about how, how ridiculous of a field that is. Uh, one, one last thing here, too, Baxter. That hat trick that Bradley Wright Phillips had was, uh, was a record setter. Really? Within 27 minutes, it's the quickest hat trick in MLS history. Wow. Well, so maybe, maybe they knew that and they were like, okay, well, we set a record, yeah, so now we'll. We're now just we'll. fine. Let's sit back. Let's chill. No big deal. I don't know. All right, let's look ahead. Uh, well, I need to congratulate you, Simon, because you beat me in predictions this week. You finished with a nice 6 and 5 record. I yeah, finished yeah, I think that's three the first, eight. first winning record for either of us I all year. I think so. You may have, you may have snuck one I in think there I've earlier. I've gotten one early in the year. But yes, you finished 6 and 5. You're now 52 and 88 overall. I am 47 and 93. <laughs> the well, race Baxter, to 100. It, it all evens out when you look at our fantasy points when you beat me 93 oh, had, to 54 or I had something a great, like great that. week this last week. Fantastic week, yes. But this week, will be interesting with the Copa America and some of our players being gone mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. Yeah, I was I was thrilled by my my team this last week and my my big midfield that came up for me, uh, Lee Wynn, Diego Valeri, Chris Pontius and Ignacio Piatti stepped up and really. And I got 22 points from Andre Blake as well in goal. So There you go. I was thrilled by that. Uh let's look ahead this week first off the games that we got week. going on. Short week. Very short week. week. Short week not Only a lot happening. Seven games I believe. I do believe so. A couple Canadian Championship yeah. games being mixed in here as well. Philadelphia and Columbus. Game number 1 uh taking place, well, technically on the day of taping here, June 1st. Right. They're taking place. Right. There's five games taking place tonight. So Obviously, our predictions at this point will be futile when you hear this show on Friday. Either way, we're still going to predict because this is still points for us to go for. Philly Columbus. Yeah, it's interesting because Blake won't be with Philadelphia yeah. due to his national team That's call-up. Right. But uh, interesting that Philadelphia has one of the best home records in MLS and Columbus has one of the worst away records. Although, their new Kamara scoring a hat-trick, that changes things mm-hmm. up. But I... <sighs> I think Philadelphia is still going to take this one. Okay. That's who I have exactly in this one as well. I think they are a very talented team. Regardless, I mean, Andre Blake is a huge part of this team, Mm -hmm. but I still like Philly beating up on Columbus. Uh, Canadian Championship, Ottawa Fury taking on Vancouver. Now, it's easy to say that Vancouver is going to take this, um, and I am going to say that. I think Vancouver will. Ottawa can be a a tough team in this tournament, but I'm going with Vancouver because they don't have a weekend game, which means they get to play everybody in this one. They are going to go after this game, so I'm sorry in advance, Ottawa. TFC and Montreal, same situation. No weekend games. This is their game for the weekend. TFC hosts. We don't know if Giovinco is going to play, though. He's been injured. uh, Maybe he's saved for the Canadian Championship, maybe not. Maybe. I think Montreal's playing too well. I'm going to go with Montreal That's on this exactly one. That's exactly who I have as well. <laughs> D.C. and Seattle. Will we dif- differentiate on this one? Well, let's see here. I Again, interesting. D.C.'s one of the worst home teams. Yep. Whereas... Uh, Seattle just lost on the road to the Se- Revs, though. 2-1. <laughs> well, I was going to say, and Seattle's one of the worst uh, away teams. So this is this is a tough one, but I'm going to go with DC on this one, Baxter. Four for four. Simon. Oh, how about this that? Never happens. 
Portland and San Jose. Uh, Nagby still not playing, and I, I, I peeked over at what you had. I shouldn't have, but that was my that was my take as well. Going with a draw. Oh Baxter. my goodness, five for five. NYCFC RSL. Will we keep it going? I'm not going to look at your uh, prediction this time, but I'm taking RSL on this one. <laughs> Do I have to? <laughs> Holy cow! FC Dallas, Houston. This one's too easy, isn't it? Uh, FC Dallas? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's who I have to. I was waiting for you to be like, oh, it's so easy. I'm going to pick a draw. You're like, oh, great, thanks. <laughs> LA and Sporting Kansas City. Trey Mitchell. The Trey Mitchell Bull. The two, his last team against his current team. Boy, it makes you wonder what's going to happen. Uh, but Dos Santos is playing with the Galaxy. Got to go with LA. <laughs> Do I have to? Oh, two? wow. USA, Columbia, Simon. Who do you have? I got Columbia. Yeah, I already announced that earlier in the we show. We agree basically. on everything this week. <laughs> <laughs> this never happens. <laughs> hey, historic weekend in MLS last weekend. Historic day. Oh, my on two goodness. <laughs> who would have guessed? I never would have guessed, honestly. So if you're listening to the show, now you know who to pick. The exact opposite. Exactly. Pick draws for everything. See, this is this would be not a single draw from Simon no. either. Oh, uh, yes, no, we, I used myself a, in the third person. Draw. Oh, we did. Yes, Baxter and Simon oh, both chose that's Portland right. and San Jose that's as a draw. Right. I feel like one of us should change it just in case. I'll take San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm sticking with the draw because I need to. I need to move up in points. You do. You do. I'm, I, I'm yeah, horribly yeah. behind you. Yeah. I like. I like. I, I, like I was my... glad that we agreed. I really am. <laughs> it's kind of like my fantasy team. I'm going all in with LA. Basically, with Portland as well. And there's not many players to choose from this weekend. Exactly. Exactly. All right, we're going to go to a break. We'll wrap things up. Power rankings, I believe, and closing thoughts right after this. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Finishing things up here on another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. Okie doke, Simon. We agreed for a moment, and then it was gone. <laughs> I need to move up in the standings. I can't. I can't afford to, to yeah. be. Can't afford to be friends this week, Simon. We can be friends for nine tenths of the week, just not not the. I don't know. And watch it still. Watch Portland win, and then neither of us get the point. <laughs> You'd get the point as a hey, fan. That's right. That, that's, so that works out well for that's you. That's one of those, uh, I, I win both ways. It's true. The it's only way I don't win is if San Jose wins. True. I would, though. All right. Let's look at the power rankings. Um, last week, Simon, we were we had the same teams in different places. This week, we most of the same teams, different places again, except for me, I have one new team. You do have a new team. I've got the same teams, just in a different order this yep, week. Exactly. All right. Um, let's start with who I have at five and you have on the outside first. We, we yeah, both are sharing this, yeah. the sentiment. Columbus, we've been talking about them yep. losing, then drawing for a while, and they finally get a really good win against a really good team. Well, not a really good win, but, a, a, good but win. a win yeah. against a good team. So I've got Columbus sitting just on the outside of this. And I have them at number five, mostly because they've done fairly well the last couple of games as well. I mean, they... They've only, as we mentioned, they've only lost one out of their last six games. They've been scoring goals in that big victory against RSL. I know they gave up a bit of a lead, but still, a win's a win. They got four yeah. goals. They got a hat trick from Ola Kamara. Nobody, nobody cares how many goals you gave up if you still won the game exactly. at the end of the day. Exactly. Philadelphia is my number four team this week. Uh, as we mentioned, they've they've done a good job. They haven't really lost a lot recently. They haven't been b- good. They haven't been bad. They're doing well. Yeah, I've got LA as my fifth team and we agree with Philadelphia on the fourth. The thing with Philadelphia is they are on a, a 
eight-game unbeaten streak, but the thing is they've only won two games within that time. L.A. I dropped a bit because that's a game that they should not have lost in Montreal. Actually has me a little bit worried for them, Mm -hmm. uh, the way they finished that game. So I'm not dropping them out just yet. Because at the end of the day, if if we're talking, you know, if we're pitting any team against L.A. right now, it's very hard for me to pick against L.A., so I'm mm-hmm. keeping them at number five. Okay. Um, I'm, Philly, as we mentioned, are both of our number fours. FC Dallas is my number three. Uh, last week, they were my number two. I've dropped them down to three. Not bad. Not great. They're doing good. They're winning, and they're doing well. But at the same time, eh. Yeah, well, I've got Dallas as my number two. I'm keeping them at my number two. Um, my number two and my number one are still the same from last week. I have Red Bulls at three just because I'm not sold yet. Yes, mm-hmm. they got a three-game win streak going, uh, but we're talking Chicago, New York City FC. Uh, Toronto, decent win, but that also, again, was an injured Toronto sure. team. So I'm not sold on them yet. That 7-0 scoreline, I think it was. They, <laughs> they really got themselves up for that derby. Yeah. Uh, but I do have them at number three. FC Dallas at my number two because, in my mind, They've been playing well. Their draw was against a good San Jose team, and they had three wins before that, also against good opponents, Portland, uh, Seattle. Eh, okay. Eh, okay, New England. So maybe <laughs> maybe not as great as I was thinking here at sure. first, but nevertheless, it's a four-game unbeaten streak. Exactly. And I, uh, that's why, on the flip side, you did all the things that I needed you to do for my number two, the Red Bulls. They've scored 11 goals in three games. Yeah. I don't care yeah. who that's against. Right, that's 11 true. goals. Bradley Wright Phillips has found his form. He's scoring in bunches. He's got two hat-tricks. Or, well, he's got five goals in two game, in three games. So, credit to him. Yeah, we shall see, though, that they have the week off. Mm-hmm. Do they suffer a bit from, from this momentum that they've been on? That's true. That's a very good point. And then finally, our number one that has been a number one since week 11, Colorado Rapids. You can't argue against it. Yeah, they had a draw against Philadelphia, but... That's what I had predicted, and, and this is where my logic goes, Baxter, okay. is if, if you did what I predicted you're going to do in a positive way, I'm not going to drop you in my standings. True. Plus, to be the man, you got to beat the man. Exactly. Nobody has beaten Colorado in, what, 10 games? Something like that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Nine games. Nine game unbeaten streak, and that's more wins than draws, by mm-hmm. the way. Six wins to three draws. That's fine with me. Uh, let us know your thoughts about our power rankings on Facebook, uh, Two Up Front on Twitter, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan, at Two Up Front Soccer. Final segment of the show, Simon. All right, it is time for our I Believe segment. Simon Provan, what do you got? I believe that Chicharito will win the Golden Boot mm, in the Copa America. That's a very, yes. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely agree. By you. the way, in our I Believe sound effect that we have, yes. if you listen closely, it sounds like there's one man that's in a lot of pain. <laughs> if, next week, listen really I'm closely. Have to listen to, to that. <laughs> listen to that really close. I believe that uh, Kristen Pulisic will score at least once in the, I like uh, it. In the I, Copa I, America. And I agree and with and that, and, too. And social media will lose their godforsaken minds because they did that when he scored a fairly simple goal against Bolivia. Yes, but 17 years old, playing yeah. in the Bundesliga, he is one kid that we can get excited about. You, now, right. we, you know, the media and everybody else needs to stop using this, the savior of American soccer. He's not. It, it, well, but it's too early. There's nothing, there's no, nothing to be saved. Mm-hmm. Soccer in America is in a great place exactly. for, for the age that but it's But there's at. no Landon Donovan anymore. We'll be fine. 
I think it'd be funny too is as he uh, continues to move on in his career, he changes his number every time. He's 17 for being <laughs> 17. Right. Just continues to change it up all through the through the ranks. I think that would be kind of funny. Anyway, thank you, think you so he, much. Does, 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 oh, I no, cut go, you off here. Go, does go, he start? Go. Does he start any games? He will. He'll start at least one. All right. I think he will. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us here on another edition of Two Up Front. Special thanks to Brian Dunseth, Andrew Dykstra, Trey Mitchell, and Lydia Williams for stopping by the program. We love you all. Thank you so much. And uh, tell your friends about the show as well, too. You can find it on Fridays at 11.30 a.m. Central Time on the Sports Podcasting Network. Yeah, you can also find us on Facebook. Two up front, put that in the search button. And like the page. We want to get to 500 likes by the end of the game, by the end of the U.S. Columbia game. Find us on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer. Our personal handles at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Proven. He's Simon Proven. I'm Baxter Colburn with our manager being the one above. We are 2UpFront. Simplify your federal agency's technology procurement with Connection Public Sector Solutions. Connection's dedicated account managers, commitment to exceptional customer service, and extensive catalog of federal contracts make IT purchases quick, easy, and affordable. Turn your challenges into opportunities and get rid of your technology pain points with Connection today. Learn more about what's possible with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com fedcontracts. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.